ESBC podcast, ESBC podcast network with the end on the network <clears throat> where we're going to give you the, I call it the greatest podcast of all time, the greatest content of all time, uh, because we're going to make you money. We have 140 years of watching football and we're going to leverage that to you monetize the, the playoffs. We're also going to give you some college basketball picks. Because the money on the college basketball picks are just as green as the playoff picks. And if you take each suggestion we give you and bet it equally, there's a high probability, up to 80%, which is probability theory, that you will make money. Now, we have a graph there showing uh, the way our money went this year, which uh, I have it out. You guys can see that the average American made $56,000 last year. We made more on this podcast than the average American betting on the game. So that would be the present value. I have an MBA, securities licenses, uh, clients worth 50 million, 20 million. What we do is we use decision science, which is the red and yellow book up there, uh, arbitrage, many different financial concepts to bet on the game. So we use the same process you use to invest in a business, in a stock, as an MBA, in a consulting firm. Same thing to bet on these games. And I always say the purpose, every single business meeting, this is, this is a business meeting, this podcast. Every single business meeting has to have a specific purpose and an outcome. So we just showed you the outcome. The purpose I always say is to make me personally money. And I say that because I watched the Kentucky Derby, Saeed, the owner of a horse, wins the Kentucky Derby, he says, oh, I bought this horse and I won the Kentucky Derby for you, the people. No, you bought it for yourself, for the stud fees, so you can make money. And Scott and I, and you were laughing because we grew up with Howard Cosell. Tell it like it is, concrete, you know, journalism, everybody has their opinion. And the, and the problem is that Bottom line now, right? Uh, you can have your own opinion, but you can't have your own facts, right? So journalism has turned into opinion. So the other business maxim we have is that you're, if you're the smartest and toughest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. Just ask mm -hmm. Joe Judge. He's going, <laughs> oh, I'm going to see the mayors. I'm going to tell him I'm, I'm going to be the general manager of this place. So you guys got me in here to be general manager. No, Joe, you're fired, right? Delusional, right? You have advice like us. And also diversity, if you have a diverse company or process, that's why you hear it all the time, diversity, diversity. It's not race or gender or disability. 
it's what we have here. We have uh, myself, Jim, and Scott are old. Chad's young. We have age diversity. Uh, Chad and I are here in the West Coast. Scott's in the Northeast. Jim is in Chicago. Just by the virtue of 10 degrees outside where they live <laughs> right now makes it tougher than we are. But I got a joke I got to get out. First thought, man, before we Joe, get in deep into the playoffs. Yes, sir. Well, no Jim, judge, Jim met the jury. <laughs> <laughs> had to say it. Just had to say it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, heard the, yeah. you heard the Joe Judge platform for next year is to run quarterback sneaks every play, right? That was his, that was his platform. But he can't do that now. He, he's going to go back to uh, working security for the Patriots <laughs> meetings. And then, you know, if, if Matt Patricia needs help with the coffee, exactly, you'll go, you'll go, you'll exactly. go help with, with a coffee order. Now I know Jim with a pencil for him, remember? Yeah, he always has the pencils to make sure he gets the coffee order for other folks. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw this thing on Twitter that was like, uh, it was, it was Belichick's diabolical plan ever since uh, the Giants ruined his perfect season to get one of his guys in there and just ruin that franchise as <laughs> bad as he could do it for a year. <laughs> it was an inside job the whole way. Belichick, payback. Mission accomplished. Yeah, his <laughs> School one for the good guys out here in New England. So. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. So we'll go around first thoughts before we get into the playoffs. The first podcast was uh, pronostication. This podcast is look at this alliteration, Jim. I have my first degree before I got into the finance world was Shakespeare and British literature. So it's with pronunciation. This podcast is going to be previewing. You're going to break up ties that we had on the last podcast. Um, Chinese say we can't collaborate. And that's why communism is better than capitalism. In this podcast, we prove that we're not overly competitive. We can collaborate with each other and help each other make money in a capitalist system before we get taxed too much uh, by Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren types, right? Uh, so uh, we'll go Jim, Scott, then Chad, first thoughts, and then we'll get into these games. And I think this is the greatest podcast of all time because we give you analysis and even like some detailed schemes, but... They're tailored for you to put money in your pocket. Uh, my wife, Anna, back there, she just bought a dinner with betting money. And she has not bought gasoline since 2011. They have not been sports betting dollars. <laughs> oh, come on. She drives an electric car. Who are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> She's got that hybrid now, but inflation, man. That's our inflation hedge. <laughs> betting on games is our inflation hedge. Yes. What are your first thoughts as we get into these games, Jim? So, first of all, a great wild card weekend. We have a lot of diversity of teams. We have some teams that shouldn't be yeah. there, but that doesn't mean teams that can't cover. So, as right. we go through these games, we are going to have some very interesting observations. The public is looking at these games in a very, very specific way, but I think we're going to have some very interesting thoughts that are going to make people think and reconsider those public stances. Right, and you're going to have top, because I come from a CNBC, Fox Business, Bloomberg point of view. So they're going to look at these games through a different lens. And uh, the whole thing about being authentic and transparent. We're a lot more transparent than the U.S. government or a lot of local governments uh, we have, right, around here. Scott, what are your first thoughts? 
I'm just excited to go over these games again and have Jim here. I mean, uh, you know, we got his e emails on the, uh, the props and the uh, game notes, which were amazingly fantastic. So thanks, Jim, Thank to, for that. Um, you know, I, I saw some things in those notes that I had not even thought of uh, after we did the Wednesday night podcast. So I'm looking forward to breaking the games down with Jim. I'm looking forward to getting his perspective on things, and I'm looking forward to some player props that he might uh, like a lot more than usual. So, Yeah, no, it was great last year. Uh, doing the live streams with Jim, he always gave me some insights uh, and a new pick to approach the game, to monetize it, or rethink my thinking and make money that way. And, and that's the purpose. We're, we're putting money in your pocket. You got to ask yourself who is making you money, but we take it a step further. We teach you how to fish. And then since so we've been alive so long, we also do uh, uh, mental health first aid kit, financial first aid kit. Chad, Nolan, your first thoughts. Man, I'm just, I'm excited for uh, just the thoughts of this one. I'm, I'm happy to have Jim on here. Um, you know, the notes were awesome, just, you know, so much information, um, you know, and I'm, I'm definitely looking at some, you know, what what some player prop angles. I, I guarantee by the end of the, this uh, podcast, I'll have a couple player props on my on my card. So, yeah, I'm just excited to, uh, you know, re -go, go through these games. You know, some stuff I'm pretty set on, but there's a lot of stuff that I'm kind of um, trying to just get as much information as I can in and, and make, make the best pick. So let's get it going. Right on. So the first game is going to be, and uh, I'll reiterate this story because I don't know if Jim's heard it, but I am the president of the USF Alumni Association. And I'm sitting here working, same office, sitting here working, phone rings, and a guy says, hello, uh, Josh, you know, you, you know, come rope, um, recommended. Uh, you did great work with the USF football tutoring department. We heard that. Um, you were also designated driver for Jimmy uh, Markham, head coach at Arena League. And, uh, and John bought you a few beers, John Gruden and Chamisai. Buying people beers, has an office where he brings in LaFleur, he brings in McVeigh, Chip Kelly is the one I saw with eyes. And they sit there for a week and they discuss offensive football. Josh, my name is Rick Bachashia, and I'd like to become the head coach of the USF Bulls. I'm like, what? <laughs> they, they, we went on to have a conversation that can't be repeated, but not, not so legal. So what he talked about now is now called NIL. So now you can get a $50,000 image and likeness deal rather than getting a paper bag. I don't know if Chad knows about that, but you used to go to the grocery store and there used to be paper there. You get a bag, you bring groceries out. Where we cruise, you put fifty thousand dollars in. <laughs> I can get a guy or two. Well, lo and behold, he's now the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, and they're going to the Cincinnati Bengals. And I had a friend who worked for the Cincinnati Bengals, and he used to tell me Marvin Lewis had fifteen jobs. So when you read about uh, Zach Taylor, he has. 15 jobs. He is the head of scouting. He's the head coach. He's the offensive coordinator. He's also the quarterback's coach. <laughs> Joe Burrow has a little piece of this offense. So preview this game for us as I put in our, our first visual of the day. 
uh, what Scott calls the six degrees of Andy Reid. So we have Gruden, who we just talked about. We have McVay, who's also in the playoffs. So is Shanahan. And Zach Taylor was on the same staff with McVay in Tampa Bay with John Gruden. So that gives you insight why. It's not that we're geniuses here. It's not that we're guru. It's that we've seen this movie before. <laughs> it is the same guys, right? The same usual suspects. The name and the faces changed, but the story's still the same. <laughs> Go ahead, Jim. Preview. Until, the until you said an email. Until you sent an email to the Washington owner. But all right. That, so preview the game. So before I get into the teams, <laughs> I'll just start with a couple overview thoughts. This is right. really important, and everybody knows. The Raiders are coming off a five-quarter game on a Sunday night. Short week, they're playing on Saturday, a three-time zone trip while the right. Bengals rested their starters in week 18. There is a massive rest advantage here. Also, it's going to be 31 degrees with 10-mile-an-hour wind, so the wind will be about 24. This is a cold-weather game for a warm-weather team. One last thing before um, I, the overview is this. It's only a small sample size of five games, but Derek Carr has played five games in 37 degrees or colder. His teams have never scored more than 17 points. Now, maybe they weren't great teams. That's the overview before I get into the teams I wanted us to set up. Right. Uh, there's, there's ways to mitigate that, right? So they're going to have to come with their running shoes and play defense and keep everybody rested. Uh, Chad is the professional football player in this. He plays for the Las Vegas Knights Arena League. He starred in the CFL. I looked up his stats. He has 26 yards uh, a catch, right? It's his Arena League stats. I'm like, man, how I could not run 26 yards, turn around and catch the ball for like three seconds or less, right? 4-4 four, four speed, Chad. So you played in cold. He starred. Uh, he ran to the goal line. On every kickoff when he was a kickoff coverage. We laugh about that because teams wear their players out with dumb rules like that. Run to the goal line, even though the guy's kicking it through the end zone every time. But you sprint to the goal line, wear yourself out. Uh, so, Chad, playing cold weather, traveling, uh, how is it, how's that going to affect this game like Jim was talking about? I mean, yeah, cold weather is definitely tougher to play in. I mean, there's no doubt about it, like, it, I mean, just catching the ball, I mean, tackling, um, you know, I definitely think that that cold weather plays to maybe a little more run than pass on the run pass ratio, a little heavier to the run. And I think, it, you know, it plays to the under here with that number number being where it is. I mean, cold, yeah, cold weather is, um, you know, it's, it, it's uncomfortable, but it is a playoff game and these are professional athletes. So they're going to be up for it. Um, you know, I don't think it's something that's that's gonna you know be you know anything too crazy for him. But yeah, definitely it definitely impacts you know the, the players, no doubt. Can I ask one question, Chad? So this is specific to a player. So Max Crosby was have had an unbelievable amount of high energy pass rushes through that entire fourth quarter and over. It was all pass. It was all fast paced. Is there any chance that he comes into this game diminished or will he be a short week, time zone travel, all that? Is there any chance he specifically struggles because he's a key player in this game? Yeah. You know, you know the, the biggest question to that is like what kind of shape the guy, how he takes care of his body out of the field. I mean, is this a dude that's like staying away from alcohol, you know, putting a lot of nutrition in his body? Um, 
you know, and, and take, you know, getting the, you know, doing the right stuff throughout the week to prepare his body, you know, and if he's doing that, I think he will be fine. Um, you know, they, they're all, you know, they, they're going to be light with practice, keeping off, you know, rest, get, get some light, lighter lifts in, you know, get, get, get a speed session in that week. Um, you know, if, if, if they do it the right way, I think that I, you know, I think he'll, he will be fine. Um, you know, I, I do think though, uh, you know, with the, with that being said that the Raiders will try to, you know, have some ball control or go a little bit of that route to keep that defense off the field. Um, they definitely want to lower the snaps of the defense this week. Um, there's no doubt about that. Right. Uh, Scott, what do you have to chime in as far as uh, we've just been talking about? Oh, I agree with Jim. The Raiders went um, five quarters Sunday night. It was a late game, got over very late for them. Um, so they lost Sunday. They probably Monday meetings, stuff like that. Lose the day and travel to Cincinnati uh, for the early Saturday game. Um, I don't know how much they have left in the tank, basically because, as Jim said, Derek Carr is not a cold-weather quarterback. And I'd be interested to find out how, what his touchdown to interception ratio is, what his passing yards per game is. Did the run game carry them in, that, in those games, or did Derek Carr do a little bit more than usual? My inclination is that the run game carried them. Um, they lost all five of those cold-weather games. 0-5, yeah. yeah. It's uh, yeah. no more than 17 points scored. Yeah, so so my my inclination is is that Cincinnati well rested, you know, off off of what the Raiders did. Is the rate did the Raiders spend all their energy on that Chargers game? And my answer would probably be yes. So I think you're going to see Cincinnati control the game early, and uh, and try to jump on the Raiders where they have to play catch up, where they kind of know that the Raiders may not be able to do it in that game. So I'd look for Burrow to throw the ball around uh, to to Higgins to Boyd, maybe to Uzama up the middle of the field, um, try to, to loosen up the defense a little, maybe hit a big shot to chase early in that game. So that, that'd be the things. I, okay, I so, so this, this, is my, this is my counter, right? This is my counter. And uh, if one of you guys can pull up the spreadsheet so we can see what our picks were, so we can get into some money-making for the people. So you just talked about Burrow and Chase. This is going to be what we talked about, Jim and I talked about last year, and we made ourselves and people the money with JPP coming off like a madman coming off the edge. So you see Burrow got the eyes in the backfield here, eyes in the backfield here. They're reading him, right? So you guys were talking about Burrow's confidence. This Burrow against Raiders, less confidence than he'll have now. Uh, Jamar Chase, right? Chad actually worked out with him. I think Jamar Chase is Megatron 2.0 when he wants to play. So on this play, right? Boom. Bam Max acts like a wild man coming off that edge, right? So 71 is going to have to play some football. Maybe they're going to chip him. He does a nice little spin move, mm -hmm. and it's going to come now. He's not going to play every play. He's just going to come in on big downs and on the other side of the field. They're around the field. They want to keep Mad Matt fresh. Is 71 going to handle him one-on-one? -on -one? I doubt it. I think they're going to be a chip. Now, look at this. Look at 34. What kind of a block is that, man? You can't do that. You can't do that in the playoffs. That's what makes the playoffs a little different is that you have more attention to detail. 34 either is not going to be on the field. No, he won't. He's not going to miss a block like that. Lazy block. After he's gone, he tries to hit him in the head. 
<laughs> right? So what happens here? Burrow, who's not Tom Brady, Tom Brady hits this pass. Why? Because he's calm. He's relaxed. He rushes the throw and chases wide open. So, again, this is the playoffs. This is not going to happen again. 24 is not going to get beat like that like he got that time. He'll be up here somewhere, right? They're not going to – in the playoffs, you're going to play more conservative. You're not going to let that happen. So, what Scott said, I don't think it's happening. They're going to shut him down. They're going to have to go to the tight yes. end. Keep the game low. So, I'm going, going Raiders plus six under the total. What is it now? Five and a half. I just saw that a moment ago at DraftKings. Now, that could be somewhere else. You get different lines, different plays, but it's a five and a half. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll look yeah, at the different lines. What, what do you guys got to say about my analysis on that? So, so here, here's what I would say, okay? Two, two points I would say. Number one is Cincinnati. Burrow is a totally different quarterback than he was at that, at that time yeah. Yeah, during the season. And number two is I've gone on the premise the last four, four to six weeks is that guys coming off the COVID list tend to either have their play cut or they struggle. And Mixon has had a week off the COVID list, but how is he going to perform in this game off of that? Tyreek didn't have a good well, game. Well, the mental part of it, right? Uh, yeah, Nixon, that's, that's – uh, You know, you won't hear the Terry Bradshaw won't say this, but Nixon has substance abuse problems. He has cocaine issues. So now his body, his immune system, a little bit more compromised yeah. than – um. Mine would be so that right. that'd be my interesting thing. And the Zion, one thing I, all hyped up, maybe and, you know. And the one interesting thing I saw in this box score in that game is Mixon did not have a target or a catch in that game, and that that was strange in that game that he did not have. And Jim can talk to that a little bit more, but that was strange to me that he didn't even have a target in the game against the Raiders last time. It, it was a very weird game. The score was 32-30, but it was close. Late yeah. third quarter, the game was within a score. And then there were some turnovers, and then Mixon ran a lot late in the game. But um, they, they did, for whatever reason, and the Raiders are very easy to target. Actually, if you guys don't mind, I just want to give one minute. Just give me give my Bengals uh, side of the ball so you guys can chime in and, and try sure. to break this up a little bit. Sure. So, first of all, in the last two games of the season, the Bengals changed their identity. They were a run-first team all season. And then all of a sudden, they put the ball in Burrow's hands. And Burrow, we saw his confidence completely change. His knee is good now because you could tell in the pocket, he is making unblocked defenders miss. He was unable to do that early earlier in the season. It's something that he was able to do even back to his collegiate days, to my knowledge, to make people miss. And he's doing that again. And what's happening is that is buying a little extra time in the pocket because he's shaking off the sacks. Now the Raiders, the second half of the season, they become more of a pass funnel defense. Their second half of the season, DVOA against the run, they were fourth, but 21st against the pass. Now we talked earlier about Max Crosby and Chad gave some great insight with that as well. Understand he has a bigger advantage than usual. In the first matchup, he was facing Riley Reef. Reef is on the injured reserve and they have a backup right tackle, Isaiah Prince going against him. Now for the Bengals, so avoiding obvious passing down is going to be critical here. Now the other corner, other um, tackle, Jonah Williams has actually been good this year. He's been hurt most of his career. In Gakwe, his pass pressure rate has slipped as the season goes on. I think that side's fine. It's all about Crosby. Last couple of things, and I'll pipe down. 
John no, said, I, I own the podcast. I own I, the microphone. You can talk as much as you want. <laughs> so, Josh, hey, you very astutely. <laughs> You very astutely pointed out, Josh, that they're going to try to take Chase away. They do play a cover three, and they do try to limit over-the-top plays. And after having seen Chase firsthand, that play you showed specifically, they can't let that happen. But the good news for the Raiders, I'm sorry, for the Bengals, is that T. Higgins will see lesser coverage, and he has been a beast at winning 50-50 balls. He's a big body. He can use both the intermediate – level and the short level and as scott mentioned earlier the raiders do give a production in the middle of the field so they can at times boyd or uzama as you said correct there now the raiders had a very big injury last week because there is going to be some running i don't think to the level of the last time darius phylon their right defensive tackle he not only was a good run stopper but he had a, like a, um, a very good pressure rate for a defensive tackle he he hurt himself in that chargers game he's on the injured reserve it's a massive loss now scott mentioned they didn't throw to mix it but the raiders have a significant weakness in stopping receiving running backs and if the raiders pass rush starts to get home that is also an outlet that the raiders struggle against now um, Josh, I believe you mentioned Mixon could coming back up to COVID and having substance abuse potential issues that could be a problem. And um, but the Bengals- well, anxiety, right? I'm I, I pretend like I uh, I'm a psychotherapist, but my wife Anna actually is 17 years as a psychotherapist. So it's the whole thing about it is anxiety is the whole reason he does coke to begin with. And this is a playoff game, right? We always remember. I'm dating myself, but uh, Stanley Wilson, former Wilson. Uh, Cincinnati running back, uh, also coke addict in Tampa uh, before the Super Bowl, right? He had a lot of anxiety, uh, Barrett, before the Raiders Super Bowl. So I'm, just, I'm saying his mental approach yes. to, to, what's, to what is going on. My last thing I'll mention I've done with the Bengals is we mentioned they could use Mixon as a receiver against a team that struggles. The Bengals over the course of the season were one of the league leaders in screen usage. So it's in their arsenal to do so. That's my breakdown of the Bengals size. If you guys have questions or comments, feel free to fire away. So, so what do you think Cincinnati's game plan coming out is? Do you think they're going to throw the ball more on first down than run it? Or They're a home team. So with the cold weather, it's not like it's going to be in Buffalo. It's not going to be sub-zero. I don't right. think, Chad, the ball won't be a rock when it's 32 degrees out, right? Yeah, not like zero. It'll, yes. it, uh, it'll be significantly different for sure. So that's huge. So I do believe at home, I believe the identity they showed the last two weeks, this is the identity they really put down on some good teams. And I, yeah. I think they had to have had a, you know, come to Jesus moment. So my thought is they do come out passing the ball, not bombs away. They're not going to let him get hit a ton. They're going to use a short to intermediate game because that is a fundamental struggle of the Raiders. The run will be mixed up, but unlike the first game, I personally believe this is a heavier pass volume game. Does that answer the question? Yeah. Yeah, it certainly does. It certainly does. Yeah, right. so, go ahead, go ahead, Chad. So it sounds like you're maybe T. Higgins receptions or y- over or yards over might be some good prop plays, possibly. 
Yes, T. Higgins, the most recent one I saw was 65 and a half yards and five and a half receptions. I do believe that this is the quote unquote T. Higgins game because they don't have Casey Hayward more likely will see more of Jamar Chase. But even if Higgins does see Hayward, the way that Higgins uses his body, it always presents a clean target for Burrow. So I do think that, and it's going to be intermediate stuff. So I yeah. do think those are very high on my list of two, the two biggest Bengals plays are probably those. Yeah, and that zone, that cover three is weak, you know, digs, curls. I mean, that's that's where, you, you know, you're going to you're gonna take Jamar Chase over the top, the corner and safety, you're both going to be running with him. And Higgins in the middle of that zone, I think that's a, I like that. I'm going to be looking at that heavy. Yeah, and the other thing is Chase only the other th- thing in the box was Chase only caught three balls for 32 yards last time, but he did have a touchdown. But he caught his touchdown, I think, in the fourth quarter, somewhere in the middle to late fourth quarter. So um, so the Raiders did a good job on Chase. It was Higgins, Boyd, and Mixon's running, I think, that that really, really hit them hard in that game. Yeah. So. All right. So we'll close this, we'll close this game down on this point, and then we'll we'll make sure we have final picks. Chad, right? If you can explain to them, Chad's a disciple of the podcast. You heard this last year, right? Uh, Chad, if we can explain, when I say corporate governance, what do I mean by that? And how do we make money doing that with this 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 element in sports betting? Um, just like, you know, who's running a team anywhere from like head coach up to general manager to owner. Mostly the head coach, I'd say, is the, the facts we look at the most. But sometimes we look at ownership. Um, you know, don't want we're not wanting to pay for backups and things like that. Right. So uh, if you watch the uh, Georgia Alabama game, we played the video in the last podcast. That win was worth twenty five million dollars to uh, Kirby Smart. And Kirby Smart is smart. He's a member of Mensa. Smart guy. Made twenty five million dollars. Playing the four-two-five defense, which is going to be played in the next game. How much money is this game worth to Gus Bradley? So, corporate governance. Look, because this big fight in finance between technical analysis and fundamental analysis. Fundamental analysis has gotten people rich. The other thing that's gotten people rich is taking advantage of market inefficiencies. So, since we've been watching football for a hundred in 40 years and right we have seen this movie before we can nail or see where there's a market inefficiency right so on the 2005 john gruden staff gus bradley was on that staff so it was they were water boys over there mcveigh and zach taylor so Gus Bradley has a strategic advantage in this football game because he just specific is terrific at my, my clients will hear me say, because Gus Bradley just has to focus on defense. Rich Passaccia was a special teams coordinator on that 2005 Tampa Bay coaching staff, Tampa, right? You know, just South Florida, Tampa. He wanted a nice $3 million college job as head coach in Tampa. Zach Taylor is the quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, and the head coach. So think about all the stuff, the pressure he has on. 
And again, people say, oh, Josh, you're being conspiratorial. Well, listen, the money's just as green with my crazy Taylor Green conspiracy theories. Uh, the Brown family is cheap. That's why the man's doing 15 jobs. Uh, they don't want to pay for uh, road travel costs. And travel costs are not higher because of COVID. So with all that being said, I'm going Raiders. Uh, now, when you got, if you, you could have gotten the Raiders on the 50th if you listened to the podcast, because there's three times you place bets. You place stuff right away, like I'm going to say. You place us now because some things, some light went on, and then half hour before kickoff, before it goes crazy. Uh, so I got the Raiders, and I don't think we, uh, we didn't fight over that one. I think we were all in agreement. Raiders plus six. Right now, it's at 48 and a half. They were listening to the podcast, but bookmakers. So it's at 48 right now. I'll still take another 48. I look at it's either going to be 13, 10 Raiders or 16, 13 Bengals. What do you guys say uh, before we go to the next game? How about Jim first? You know, I am the worst of a prediction. I can tell you how the teams match up. Uh, you guys are the betters. I'm not so good there. Um, I like the under. I definitely have the under on it, but I got swayed on the rest in the weather and a couple other factors. We didn't talk about the Raiders side, but I had some factors there. I do say the Bengals minus five, but you guys are listening, winners and losers. You guys are listening to those three. Don't listen to me on the winners. Listen to me on the props. <laughs> what are the props? What props do you like? I'm the, yeah, so the fantasy guy, yeah, the props. So like we talked about, Chad, T. Higgins over 65 and a half yards and over five and a half receptions. Darren Waller's just went up. I got it at four and a half receptions first, and then it went to five and a half. So, but it's still a very strong number. Cincinnati's horrible against tight ends. And then Jamar Chase under 69 and a half yards. He has a lot of games under. We talked about the cover three. That's in play. Right. Hunter Renfro under 56 and a half yards because Waller is going to eat in the middle of the field. There's not room for both of them. Zay Jones under 43 and a half yards. Chidobe Awuze has a PFF grade of 84, which is amazing. He's had a great season. I think he spends a lot of time on Jones. And then um, Joe Burrow over nine and a half rushing yards. He's been running judiciously, not a ton, but with the way the Raiders bring the rush, there are going to be some gaps and runs. Right? Those are the props I like. Nice. So I'm going to I'm going to change my pick. I'm going to go with Cincinnati in this game. I think Cincinnati can can win this by a touchdown. Um, I think they can jump on the Raiders early. I think the Raiders' cold weather struggles. I think they will not be able to run the ball as effectively as they have in the past. Um, Cincinnati's a sneaky defense against the run. So I'm going to change it to Cincinnati. Um, I'm going to stay the under, but I'm going to change it to Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati can win this game by, by maybe 10 points. So that's okay. what All right. Uh, Chad, what are your thoughts? Man, you know, I, I love the under here. The side is definitely a little more controversial, I think. But, you know, I, I, I like the Bengals to win this game for sure. I like the Bengals to win this game. I think that, you know, they win it by – you know, three, you know, three or four, you know, it's a playoff game. You know, the, the, to me, it's going to come down to um, right. the matchup, you know, is, is the pass rush for the, for the Raiders going to be able to get home? Um, 
You know, as right. a DB, when I know be. I have a weaker O-line and I know my pass rush is getting home, I can be more aggressive because I know, hey, I can get hands on this guy off the line. I can get – you know, I only got to cover for three seconds here. Um, you know, so the Raiders aren't particularly deep at defensive back, um, but maybe they can play with a confidence there if that pass rush is getting home and do just enough to make the Raiders cover this one. So I'm going to stick with the Raiders and the under. Those are going to be my picks. And the All first right. quarter, first quarter in this game is is really important for Cincinnati. They need to jump early on the Raiders to get right. to gain major confidence in what they're doing. So, right, one of the surprises, right? People always surprise you. People love the consensus pick. You know, I'm like, oh, so you want to see what I pick? No, 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 Josh, I want to know what the consensus. Picks are. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Supreme Court has seven. Appellate courts have three judges. So this is an appellate decision. So the appellate court majority decision is your Raiders. Uh, let me see where they are now. Hey Josh, when they say that to you, right? Do you say to them, but I got some, and they're like, nope, forget it. Don't want to listen. Yeah, exactly. to no, that's not- what they are. No, no, Josh. Thanks, hey. man. While Josh is looking that up, I just I quickly want to just do a little more information dump while Josh is looking up for the Raiders. Derek Carr over the course of the season, he was much less effective versus zone than man. But since he does play a lot of zone, so that doesn't suit up to his strengths necessarily. And then I mentioned earlier with the props that the tight end coverage has been horrible for them. So Darren Waller, if he's fully healthy, because he caught two of nine targets for 23 yards last out. week. Say that again. He looked physically, he looked good to me. Yeah, so I expect him to be fully back here. So I do love his over. But Josh, did you find what you're looking for? Yes, I did. So two points before we go to another game. And, uh, and I'll show uh, some video to preview the next game. Uh, shop around, you know, sometimes go to Costco, sometimes go to Target, sometimes go to the grocery store. Uh, BetMGM has it at five and a half. Caesars, five and a half. You can buy the half point, get it to six. FanDuel has it four and a half. DraftKings, five and a half. Points bet, five and a half. So shop around because if you agree with Scott, right, FanDuel is a market inefficiency. So another, people who tell you, let pipe lock. They're lying to you. There's no such thing. The highest point of probability is 80%, right? Oh, I'm going to pick up my kid from school every day. Yeah, you have a busted tire. It's an in-school day. It's locked down because of COVID, and it ends up being 77% of the time you picked up your kid from school. It wasn't 100% of the time. But what makes the under very attractive, as Brent Musburger has said many times on the broadcasters, I love to hear is that the Raiders are the worst team in the league in the red zone. So if Mariota is going to come in and be on fire, which plus one, which we're going to show in a second, plus one, what plus one is, and it's a play that nobody stopped. It won uh, Tim Tebow the Heisman Trophy, right? It won him that plus one. So Mariota comes in for plus one uh, and Jim wanted it queued up. Uh, so our consensus pick 
is Raider plus six and the, and take whatever the under is. Even if it's 48, yep. go ahead and take it. Hey, Jim, what was your um, Zay Jones prop that you said? 43 and a half. And he, so he's been getting decent yardage, but he's going to see a lot of Chidobia Wuzi. Again, Wuzi is like 84 pass grade at PFF. He's been an outstanding corner this year. And he will see, because basically Brian Edwards, if they're going to roll him, they're not going to roll him to Brian Edwards. He just doesn't get any targets. But Jones has been the guy, and I just don't see it here. And also, so you I like think his, his you like his under, right? Under, yes. Yeah. Under 43 and a half. I think he puts 25 yards up, and that's a good day right now. Yeah. The zone is going to hurt him, too. He does better in man. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to queue it up here. Actually, it won't take long. I think this is pretty good. Uh, you know, while Josh is queuing, I'm the fantasy guy, so we're talking props. And just like you guys, it's probability. We'll give you probabilities like you guys are doing. It's the same thing. It doesn't always hit, but the probabilities are that we set up a late, the good groundwork, even the reason why, it connects more than we need. Yep. Right. And, and you got to use your business mind when you're doing this because it's money. And you have to have a high level of – probability right so that's where uh plus one comes in and uh pop quiz for scott right who was <laughs> who was the uh receivers coach in the 2005 Oh Super Bowl for Billy Belichick. The receivers coach? Brian Was it Brian Dayball? There you go, Brian Dayball. Nice. Now the offensive coordinator. Jim, we've already gone offensive. over this. Before. <laughs> it's all right. I, you know what? It's new to me, so I'm impressed. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, so we're going to go plus one, right? And uh, Jackie, correct me. So what plus one is, this is what one Tim Tebow the, and I think it's going to be the key to this game because the Bill Belichick defense does not account for the quarterback. It's a four to five defense. So you have one, two, three, four, five defensive linemen, two linebacker types. You have a safety here deep, right? One shell safety. And these guys either could be zone or man press. So either zone or man press confuses young quarterbacks. That's why Billy Belichick has 100% winning percentage against young quarterbacks in their first-year rookie quarterbacks. Except for Davis Mills. Except for Davis Mills. <laughs> Davis Mills. It, they didn't win that. <laughs> I think they won. I, I do think they won, but... <laughs> yeah, barely. Oh, they barely. Got him. Yeah, if we would have won it, they, that's yes. a crazy situation <laughs> for another day, but they were supposed <laughs> to be tanking in the fire. Like, I don't know. All right, so plus one. So there's more blockers than they are. So here's, That's That's here's a point, all right? This guy's watching him. And Shaq can talk about this because he works out with Josh Allen. I think this is too much space, right? And Josh Allen should every time, health permitting, be able to shake the watcher, right? 
So here he looks at the watcher and he throws it for uh, some one-on-one -on -one coverage. The under, right? So it's going to be a low-scoring game. Here's here's uh, formation. What's that? This is your 22 personnel, huh? We got two tight ends, yeah. one high. Double tight end, two back. back. That's yep. it. Fullback. If Jim has some points about this, we'll watch it. Quarterback sneak, man. Boy, the Patriots love quarterback sneak. It's to be Tom Brady. Your fullback again, 22 personnel. We're going to see a lot of this. But look at this. We have three linebackers. This is a stacked box here. And this is what we grew up with, right? The, the Raiders. You know what we're going to do, but F you. We got this big, huge, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, not Natron means, right, for something for Chad when he was a kid watching those Chargers. Natron means mean fullback, and we're going to give it to the running back. And we don't care. We're going to run it anyways. Boom, kind of fake, right? This guy came out this side. Isaiah Wynn, Lakewood High, where I graduated from. This He's is the that interests us right here. And Isaiah Wynn's going to miss this game. He's out. Yeah. Oh, Liquid High is going to miss this game. That's a huge, that's a huge loss. Not as bad as Trent, not as big of a loss as Trent Brown would be, but yes, it's a big loss. It's a big it's loss. Because he has a mean streak, Southern guy. Uh, it, it means more to him than a pick. So, so when we're showing these, Josh, in that right. second game, when the Patriots re rematched the Bills, the Bills took their linebackers. And they basically put them right up to the backs of the defensive linemen. It was one of the tightest formations. You, the, the Bills don't do that. They sold out. And what happened was that game went on. Josh McDaniel started doing more toss sweeps, getting players to the outside because they so overcompensated to stop that middle. I thought that was really interesting. But having tipped that hand, I do expect their Josh McDaniels is going to use more play action here. Now, they have used John Newsmith very lightly this year. This would be a good week to include him. Hunter Henry is going to be a factor in the passing game, though, because you know, the, yeah, yeah, but I think it would be wise to also get John Newsmith and use him on jet sweeps because when they have everything packed in, so I, I'm looking, I'm not making this big you know, spiel about John Newsmith have a huge game, but I think if they choose to use him, he can be a factor. But that's right. going to be important. So, but we saw the Bills went against their grain and they sold right. out to stop the run. They don't do that. They probably do that here. Mac Jones, as the season has gone on, he is showing that he's not quite ready for prime time. Right. Now, and, that, and, that's the thing that, and that's the thing that leads me to, to think Buffalo is going to win this game because um, I think they're going to sell out again. I think they're going to say to Mac Jones, you need to beat us. And I, I don't piggybacking off what Jim just said, I don't think he's ready to beat them. Weather, the weather's not going to be ideal, obviously. It's not going to be raining and, and as windy and stuff as last time. But I do think that Mac Jones is, go, is going to have to make two or three plays in this game for the Patriots to win. And I just don't think he's going to be able to do it because I think Buffalo is going to sell out to stop the run again. And keep in mind, not only is win out, but Damian Harris has a hamstring injury that has not healed and in cold weather, that thing could get tight at any time in the game. So that, that could be a big loss for them as well. They have Stevenson in the back of them, but if Harris has to leave the game and not come back in for any reason at all, that could be a huge loss for them too. So, All right. So to go, Lee Corso, taking it not so fast. 
<laughs> so we'll go back and not being religious here. I'm just making a point. Uh, from the Andy Reed tree, right? McDermott, both known for blowing advantages and strategic advantages in playoff games. Now, one thing is McDermott going to have his team so tight because in that that they they blew a gap in the first game. <clears throat> Boom! Touchdown. Game was over. Bad weather game. So is he going to have his people too tight? Now, in the Bible, there was this part in the New Testament where you know some demons came up on a guy. He's like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And they started laughing at him. He's like, I, I rebuke you in the name of Paul. They started laughing at him. And the demons go, we know who Paul is. We know who Jesus are. Who are you? <laughs> I know who Andy Reid is. He won a Super Bowl. Da, da, da. I don't know who McDermott is. I just know that he's blown playoff game after playoff game. Now, the conspiratorial part of it is, is that Kim Pagula paid $750 million for a new stadium. They want the good people upstate New York in the middle of a pandemic, no more stimulus. Everything's going to have to run out of dome to pony up $750 million and get else paying part of the taxes too because he lives in upstate New York for a new stadium. So that means to me, remember, the NFL is uh, like the WWE from a tax and legal perspective, an entertainment company. So that means that it's not it might be immoral, immoral, might be unethical, but it's not illegal for a referee to make a wrong call so the league makes more money, builds a stadium. Remember, the NFL is an entertainment and commercial real estate company. Keep in mind, as we watch the famous, uh, with third and 30, Josh Allen incomplete, lit flag, illegal contact, Jeremy McCourty, five-yard penalty, Automatic first down, and you will think of me. All right, so that's a factor there. Then we go to my favorite play, right? Urban Meyer loves this play. It's your good old plus one. So what does plus one mean? And check and check me because he's he's uh he's the expert, right? Three receivers, top, right. High safety again. Oh, my God, we've seen this movie again. You're going to have more blockers than the friender. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You have one, two, three, four, five, maybe six. He's going to block there. So you have seven against six. Josh Allen makes it plus one. Remember, Bill Belichick has won seven Super Bowls. Peter Carroll has won three national titles in a Super Bowl. So they don't account for the quarterback. And Nick Satan says the only guy who's ever beat me running was Johnny Manziel. So you got Belichick, 14, 14 Super Bowls, national titles, plus Pete Carroll, three. That makes it 17 and eight Super Bowls because not accounting for the quarterback. So they're saying Josh Allen cannot beat me with his feet. But he did this time with design runs, right? So plus one. So, hey, okay, this will be relevant in the Pittsburgh game that we'll talk about because uh, Scott astutely pointed out that Ben Ben can't throw. So this is RPO. So 
we're going to come up with a bunch of plays for Big Ben that are five yards or less playing in a phone booth. If we want to play the game in half, we want to run clock and keep Mahomes with his butt on the sidelines. So here we go. Did they pay attention to the play action pass? It kind of seems like they did. Did they take a step? All right, let's see. You know, Ben can do the quick kick. The people do the quick kick and they're not punt the ball. Right, right. <laughs> the joke. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, we'll see it. You put them deep. So here's your plus one, right? Again, you have one, two, three, four against one, two, three, four, five, six. You could almost say plus two. And plus one. All right. So there we go. Flash pass. Boom. Look at that opening. Oh. Nice block now. This is a design, right? Because they're blocking. See, this is all by design. You got man, people matching up here. You know, kind of nice and pretty matching up. This guy is a dummy, dummy route. Dummy route is making a fool of this guy, making him run out of them while the other guy has the ball, right? Or if you want to be more politically correct, you used to say a nicer coach used to call this an entertainment route where you're entertaining this guy. You keep him away from this guy here. So here we go. While you well, show that, can, uh, I drag, can I drag Chad into this for a minute? Yeah. So, Chad, going into this game, I want you to talk about some concerns. So, first of all, we're looking at near zero taps, sub zero wind chills. Now, Stefan Diggs openly complained to Josh Allen about putting too much sauce on the ball when it's cold. Yep. This is going to be way colder than anything they've had this year. And Chad explained about that to me as well. So, <laughs> and, so Chad, I'm going to frame this whole thing out for you that I want you to speak to it. So I fully expect Bill Belichick to play tight man coverage to force Allen to use his big arm to power the ball into those windows, knowing the receivers don't like it. That said, what are your thoughts on that? Now, Allen's going to run for a ton. We get that. But what are your thoughts on the weather, the cold, the ball, and the sauce on it? Yeah, you know, that's like – it's always that's always a thing with big arm guys, you know. Um, sometimes just like on those slant routes, you know, it's like, you know, like, you know, the best quarterbacks throw a really catchable ball. And sometimes when you put too much, you know, you got to find that fine line of just enough velocity to get it there but make it as catchable as possible, you know. If you put too much on it, you know, throw it all hard, you know, it, it does. It, it it can make it a lot harder, and and it doesn't give us time for an adjustment. If you put it on my back hip and you throw a freaking bullet, I can't flip my hips and adjust to it. Take a little bit off it, I can easily adjust and make the catch. Um, right. You know, so it's just – I mean, that's, that's going to be – yeah, I mean, Stefan Diggs, I don't know, in man coverage, he can probably win and get enough separation at some stuff where he doesn't have to get – but yeah, I mean, it's tough when uh, there's a tight window and you got to drive a ball and it's that cold. I mean, it, it's a whole, it adds a whole nother element of, uh, you know, being able to, uh, to, to hold, make that catch and hold on to it. And, you know, Josh Allen, I mean, hopefully it's not like a issue with them, you know, it's not like a pride thing, like, Oh, just got to catch the ball, man. I'm throwing, you know, hopefully he, he's, um, you know, adjusting to that and, and they've been, you know, been, 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 you know, been working on that. Cause yeah, that is with the, with, I mean, you, with those big arm guys, um, you know, you see that, you know, a, a lot on the digs and the slants. Like, man, you got to take some off that. No, nobody can catch that shit. You're throwing it way too hard. So um, that in the temperatures, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be a factor and interesting to see um, the adjustments that they've made. Thank you. Right on, right on. So, so piggybacking yeah, yeah. off that, let me let me ask you, Jim, do you think he, he goes away a little? 
from Diggs and maybe to like a Gabriel Davis? Or do you think he's, he's going to stick with him? No, I, I don't think he personally goes away from him. I think if it's an issue for Diggs, it's an issue for the other receivers as well. And if yeah. he's going to throw the ball, Diggs is an elite receiver. But if right. Diggs is having difficulties, then you know Sanders, Beasley, and Davis are going to have those same issues. Yeah. Whereas yeah. they don't get the separation that Diggs has. So Chad brought that up again very well. Even though J.C. Jackson will be on Diggs, Diggs will still get some separation because he yeah. is elite. But no, yes. I don't think Josh Allen goes away. But I think the point I wanted to make was if Allen's going to throw the ball in tight man coverage when the ball is going to be a rock, this could be a problem. Now, Josh Allen in cold weather games, um, his whatever his completion percentage is, it's always been worth like 50% passer in very cold temperatures. Yeah. 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 Uh, John, would you – the I remember watching Josh Allen from the Wyoming days. And what his value is, is that he's a gamer. Is the intangible stuff like that. Uh, I agree with Jim as far as an intellectual standpoint. So as far as picks are concerned, um, I think well, it's well, well, I got Josh, let me add one more thing, too. Another thing, too, about, about, like, you know, throwing that ball with less velocity, it allows the receiver to turn into a running back quicker, you know, that Debo Samuel. If I know, like, my quarterback's putting that shit, nice velocity, a- accurate ball. It's catchable. I'm not having to take that extra quarter, point two, three, four seconds to really, like, look in this rocket of a pass that's a little, you know, that's hard as a rock, boom, and then turn into the runner. You know, it can allow for more big plays, too, you know, where, where you just catch it and go. Um, you know, that, that, that's a big factor to that. You know, yards after catch, that's probably the number one factor, I'd say. Right, so I'm going corporate governance, right? Patriots plus four, uh, under 44. I think it's going to be slugfest. Uh, slugfest Saturday, these two games that I see. Uh, we agreed on the under 44, but there was a dispute on the side. And Chad and Jim are going to collaborate to break the tie and come up with a consensus pick. Go ahead, Chad. I'll chime in last. Yeah. So I, uh, man, I, I, I've, I'm going with the Bills here. Uh, you know, I just, I just think that they're going to be able to do just enough to win this game by a touchdown. Uh, I just think they just are a more complete team on both ends. Um, I just think they have a little bit more. And, you know, the corporate governance edge, you know, does go to Belichick, but I think, you know, McDermott can do enough. Um, you know, that home crowd, that Bills Mafia is going to be going crazy. I think they can feed off that energy and do enough here to cover this one. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this under 44, and I'm going, to, I'm going to rock with the Bills minus four. And we always agree. So when we always agree, we dispute. I always tell people to bet double on what we agree on. <laughs> and, and I'll make it four for four on the under. I'm 100% on that as well. Don't see it going over in too many scenarios. Obviously, it's never 100% anything. We know 80% is about what we're hoping for probability-wise. Now, I did take the Patriots plus the four. I do believe that Allen's going to make some mistakes due to the cold and the receiver issues. I do believe the Patriots, what they showed in the second half of that last meeting, they can make some creative plays. If the Bills put that hyper stack where the linebackers are on the backs of the DBs, I think there's going to be some misdirection. I think they're going to make a big adjustment here that's going to keep them close in the game, but I do the Bills over the pass cover. You want some props? Sure. Yeah, it, one, one little detail. It's the same thing for Queensbury. 
when and it was and if people could go back and watch it, it was a Monday night game when they panned to Belichick laughing at the Bills because they had screwed up that game they should have won. And literally, I've never seen Belichick so happy. They pan up to McDermott, and McDermott was cursing out his assistants. Right? He was not taking responsibility. Again, Monday night, Kirby Smart, it was $25 million. Believe me, the, the Bills assistants don't like people getting in their faces and hanging them out to drive in front of Kim Pagula. Now, do I think the Bills are going to win? Yes. Do I think they're going to cover four points? No, because I think that's going to be a factor. I think that these Bills assistants, because the Pagulas are so cheap, can get more money being college coaches. So big corporate governance advantage for the Bills. Go ahead, hit me with those props. Okay, so Josh Allen under 243 and a half yards. That plays with the under of the game. The fact he's going to run for yards, which goes to the next prop. Now, the initial prop I had was Josh Allen over 39 and a half yards. That already went up to 44 and a half. Still fine there. I think it's a 65 to 70 yard rushing game for him here. Devin Singletary under 64 and a half rush yards. He has stepped up well lately, but the Patriots are very solid against the run. And if Singletary is the regular running back. The, the Patriots are going to treat him that way. And I don't see him breaking big, any long runs here. Um, I'm waiting on, I haven't seen a prop yet on Steph Diggs receptions, but if there is a number of six, I would say he gets more. I don't think the be, but I haven't seen a posted prop for that yet. Last one, Jacoby Myers, longest reception under 19 and a half yards. Nice, nice. Uh, Jacoby Myers, man. I always think that's a, that's some sort of law firm. <laughs> Do we cheat him and how? That's the, that's the law firm. <laughs> love it, love it. Uh, anything else in this game, Scott? What are you? What's your side on this? Buffalo. Buffalo. Okay. Buffalo. So I'm not about myself. He's breaking the tie. I'm I'm Bill Belichick. It could could this be the first time you're pro Bell Belichick? Hey, no, I'm seeing the line up to five too. I'm seeing I'm seeing it that it's up to five minus five Bills. Minus five Bills, yeah. So and I see uh, four right now. But again, I already bet this game. Yep. Jim, I, I saw I saw a Diggs reception six. It, that's what you, I, I, I do think he gets eight catches here. I don't think the yardage is overly great, but I do think it is separation. He is the one who's going to get the ball because he will get separation. I don't think the other guys are going to see much separation in this game. Okay. Okay. Right. So uh, you got the consensus picks. You got the props. And we all love the under. I think that's a that's great that we all love the under on this. We all love the under. So let's say I'm betting $1,000. But it $2,000 on the under and put 500 bucks on the side and then put a hundred bucks on all the props. And we anticipate uh, at an 80% because we got to remember this is percentages, 52.5% is break even. So let's say I'm not going to do it because I don't trust uh, McDermott and his leadership uh, abilities as a football coach, uh, but I could put $1,000, uh, $2,000 on the under, 
$1,000 on the Bills money line and $1,000 plus five Bills. And if I hit two out of three, that's 66%. You can check me if I'm right, Jim. But 66% is higher than 52.5%, which means I made money on the game, highest and best use of my time, and I had fun watching. Right? Money, money, money. No, I I like Bill Belichick, right? I told you the story about it. I don't know. You know, I opened up the fence for him. He was wearing a hoodie, 2009, 100-degree heat, uh, 90% humidity. Jimmy Levitt, I'm the tutor for the football team. Jimmy Levitt, one of those guys, old school guys, right? Jim and I and Scott understand. He threw these keys at me. He hurt me. I'm like, what is this guy doing? So when he was mean, that means he was doing something nice. Uh, he's like, go go get a bunch of water and go open up the, uh, the fence so JPP and Nate Allen can practice. I go up there, and there's Bill Belichick in a hoodie and shorts on. And I don't even say hi. But I don't know, like, man, take that hoodie off. You're crazy. You're going to be dehydrated. He looked at me like I was crazy. And he took the hoodie off. That's my Bill cheat story. So we're going to look at the Tampa Bay screen game. I'm going to find it as Jim previews the game. But I think this is going to be important. So Chad, again, can look at this as he looks at his college basketball sports. We'll get the picks for tomorrow. Uh, you got two up here, kind of a wider split than we saw the other teams do. You got Litter for Net here. He's the only one that's going to get the ball you have here. And then you have Gronk. See, and what I like about this really is the Lloyd Carr offense from Michigan. Brady used to play there. Uh, Brady has a third of the offense. I think he's going to have even more. Brighton Leftwish interviewing for the Jacksonville job. His head isn't in there, but Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator won two Super Bowls as our offensive coordinator Arians will be able to pick up the slack and co-offensive coordinator Tom Brady. So on this play, Gronk lines up like he's going to block. All right? Lining up like he's going to block. Snap, boom, he takes off. Wide open. Against those Panthers. So I think you're going to see a lot of that as I look for that screenplay to Fournette. Uh, preview of this game for us, Jeff. All right, so I'll start with the Bucs side since that's where we had, and then you can hit me up for the Eagles side afterwards. So, right. first of all, Leonard Fournette right now is considered a game-time decision. We assumed he was going to play. That's going to be big here because the screen game is predicated largely. Fournette was getting six to eight passes catches a game right. before he got hurt anyway the eagles are very weak at linebacker now i do believe the bucks are going to attack them running back out of the backfield if four nets are you mentioned grok a big attack spot and the slot although it's tyler johnson who hasn't done much but he has gotten a few catches i think they're going to attack there we're looking at 18 mile an hour wins in this game so that short game is going to be very important now philly in the second half of the season was 26 and past dvoa so they really fell off as the season went on now the bucks if they have four net this isn't the Eagles shutdown run defense of years ago so they can have success on the ground now here's what i want to point out the eagles have had a very good pressure rate the all season they've done it largely without blitzing but the buccaneers line is elite i don't think there's a single advantage for the Eagles 
against the Bucks line. So I don't think, especially since they don't blitz, Brady's going to be clean in this game. Now, the one thing I don't like for the Bucks, after last year's bye on the Super Bowl run, they turned up the, the switch on play action. They were using it heavily. They've ignored it this year. They never made a switch. That could be critical to their postseason run, but the fact they haven't gone back to it, that gets me very nervous. Last thing, we noticed in the first meeting, different teams, but we always see this. The Patriots, this, not Patriots, I keep saying the Patriots about Brady. The Bucks yeah. take their foot off the gas when they have a lead late in games and they let opponents back. That's my Buck side. Any questions or comments for me? Well, two things, right? As I break, break down this game, I'm very excited about the breakdown of this game. Uh, I lived in Tampa for 20 years. So I've made a lot of money. Chad's made a lot of money. He knows this. He's been listening to the podcast a couple of years. Yeah, he knows where I'm going. Where am I going with this, Chad? Uh, wet, probably weather, right? <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> so, when you talk about 23 mile an hour winds, right? It's actually going to be 23 miles an hour. That's going to be a warm. You know what it is? You guys know about this. I've experienced this, so I can give the analogy. I spent a f- summer, right, in Gary, Indiana. And into Chicago to go see the museum with a big dinosaur in uh, downtown Chicago. So it's like summer in Chicago, except this is January the 16th. Uh, 67 or 70 years, that's not the problem. The problem is this right here. 75% humidity, getting into that face back of those eagles, all right? So that, that's gonna be a big problem in the second half. So you know where I'm going with this gem too. Remember I told you, pick the second half, get the second, Get the Chiefs second half Buccaneer line. So pick the second half line. No brainer here. Now, but but I got two other points, and then uh, we'll go Scott and Chad. Point number two. It's going to be big this weekend. Big quarterback disadvantage. Tom Brady and Big Ben. They're so old that they're always going to get their team in the wrong, in the right play. That's not going to be the case for uh, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts. They're not going to get their team in the wrong play, and this is the playoffs. Details matter. In business, there's no such thing as an insignificant defense uh, detail. <laughs> and where I was going with is that whatever defense you line up against Brady or Big Ben, you're in the wrong defense. It doesn't matter. You are in the wrong defense because they know what they're doing, right? It's not that the other guys don't know what they're doing. It's that these guys uh, both are Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. What does it mean? We'll go to Motivation on Monday. We should listen to Jim, listen to John Hansen. I'll give you some Motivation on Monday thing. The reason it's a big deal that Tomlin, Brady, Big Ben have won a Super Bowl or Super Bowl winning versus professional guys. Is that the difference between a winner and a loser is that a loser gave up five minutes ago. These are guys that don't give up, right? Warner won the Super Bowl because he didn't give up. So these guys don't give up. It's that little edge you need 
Josh, what does that mean to sportsmen? It means putting money in your pocket, betting on these guys, all things being equals, apples to apples. We'll go Scott in the chat. Well, I saw Brady play for 20 years being up in New England. The one thing that I come away with is Brady needs to trust his weapons in order to throw to them. I don't know if he trusts Tyler Johnson completely. I know he trusted Cyril Grayson, and that could be a big, and that's a big loss for them if he doesn't play. I think Fournette's going to play simply because I think Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones has, has already been out. out. So I, I think if Fournette is close, I think they're going to play him. Um, and the other thing, big thing to keep an eye on is if the rain is abated by the time that game starts, then that playbook is completely opened up with Tampa Bay. They can throw um, to everybody. I think Gronk plays. It only rains 15 minutes at a time. So even if it rains in the first quarter, by the second quarter, there's not going to be any rain. It could be over, yeah. yeah. So I think the, Gronk and Evans are going to play huge in this more. game. I think Gronk and Evans are going to play huge in this game. Evans is going to get the slate treatment probably, so I, I would look at Gronk. Um, you know, I'm, maybe a Scotty Miller pops up with a big catch. Um, you know, an underrated guy. Um, I think. Just, gonna, uh, I, I like to know what's prop on Scotty Miller. You guys know. Quick interruption on Scotty Miller. They've been using him horizontally on the few snaps he's been getting. They're not using him vertically this year. Okay. That, that's just a weird anomaly. I just want to share yeah. that with you. Yeah. Don't so, beat him. So I, I I believe this is a Gronk, a big Gronk game. I think this is going to be a big Gronk game. I think they're going to win it. I think obviously they're going to uh, – they know Philly wants to run the ball. That's all that they've been doing in the second half of the year is mostly running the ball. These two teams are pretty different from when they played week seven, week eight. So they're totally they're, – they're pole opposites to where they were in that, that thing. The game's in Tampa. Humidity is going to get Philly in the second half. I like Tampa in this in this spot to win this game by double. Well, I like them to cover the spread, so I like yeah. them to blow them out. Double the only team that Philadelphia has, that was the Philadelphia uh, offensive coordinator, would be to run Hurts on every play. All right, so here's Tampa in the screen game. All right, so it's going to. This is the wrong team to have bad linebackers again because the Lloyd Carr, University of Michigan. Three tight end offense. So here's a wide receiver screen, putting pressures on those linebackers. What do you think, Chad? Yeah, um, I think this is Tampa Bay minus eight all day. I think Tampa Bay is going to win this game by 14-plus easily. Uh, the total, I mean, I, with no weather and no wind, this is an over 100% all day. This game's going over. Um you know, I mean, just I, I still think it can probably still like the over just because of how the numbers, you know, opened at 51 is down to 45 and a half. Um, oh, yeah. I think the, the value is on the over here for oh, sure. Right. Um, the perceived and, value. We don't know the numbers. The casinos don't share with us the real numbers coming in and out. So it's a perceived value we have. Right yeah, but go ahead. exactly. But yeah, I just think that, I guess sticky on the back. You know, the I, I, looking at the weather, the rain is supposed to clear up. You know, before one o'clock, before that game starts. Um, you know, the yeah, wind. Yeah, lived there for twenty years and it never rained for more than twenty minutes. The twenty you know, years that lived in Tampa, so that rain oh. is not. You know, from California, wherever else in Chicago, it's not the rain you would think. It's a fifteen-minute yeah. rain with a lot of thunder and lightning. And then, and then with the stadium, you know, the stadium maybe can block out a little bit of wind. Um, it, it does but, again, Ray J. Where they can still move it a little. So yeah, I mean, I, 
I like so uh, beer, the beer line. The wind doesn't hit your beer. <laughs> your beer doesn't go flying everywhere. But I like I like the Bucks minus eight. I'm gonna put a little bit more on the Bucks minus eight than the over. But that, those are my picks. I'm playing Bucks minus eight and, and over forty five and a half in this one. So so Jim, do you think Tampa can get to the thirty point mark in this game? So that's gonna be interesting because when I give my props, I'm gonna give it now. I have the I have the first half team total of over thirteen and a half. I again I've seen the Bucks take their foot off the gas far too often in the second half. They've been a very good bet on first half covers for much of this year. But in the second half, they, they they drain clock. They're very good at it. That offensive line can do whatever it needs to do, run block or pass block. Um, and when you guys are set, give me a minute at some point to cover the Eagles side of the ball. I got a couple points for the audience. Hey, go ahead. Go ahead with it with the Eagles. So first of all, the Eagles, yeah, they're in the playoffs, but they haven't beaten a single team of note this year. Now they had an easy schedule when they played tougher teams, they, they weren't able to win. So that's important to understand. Now, when they played back in week six is before their bye week, Jalen Hurts was almost primarily out of the shotgun. It was a pass first offense. They figured out in their bye week. It wasn't working. So they come out. And since then, I yes, right? that for the season. <laughs> yes. But, but, I want to tell you that. <laughs> but Josh, they're one of the few franchises that did something about it on their buy. So now right. we see 12 personnel. We see 13, three tight ends on the field. And they use Hertz as an option runner. So basically, they create numbers in the running game that make them very tough to defend. Now, the Bucs are not the same run defense they were the last few years. You can get a little traction on them. Now, Vita Vey is going to have – him and, and Dominic Sue. they're going to need to have a big game, and they're really going to need to step it up here. They've been good. That's they haven't been great. That's, that's a huge problem is that Buccaneer defensive line. They just got too many players. Yeah, Now, the Eagles, their offensive line – obviously outstanding both in the run and passing, but they have athleticism. Kelsey, the center, he pulls really well to, again, create leverage in the run game. Now, Tampa Bay, second half of the season, 17th in rush DVLA. This is a team we normally see lights out. A big component to watch this one, Levante David, if he's been activated from the IR, if he's healthy and he's active in this game, he creates a difference because him in the run game, he is fast, and he's able to sniff out some of those runs. Their other linebackers aren't as good as he is. A couple last points now. The Bucks' pass defense, they're the strongest on the perimeters, okay? They're weaker in the middle. But Jalen Hurts, if you watch him over the season, he doesn't hardly ever throw the ball in the middle of the field. He throws to the perimeter, which is the strength and the teeth of that Bucks' pass defense. That makes me nervous. Now, he's going to run, which is going to be fine. But ultimately... If and when the Bucs get out to a lead, if the Eagles have to abandon that great running game of theirs, they're screwed. Because then Todd Bowles and the blitz schemes are going to pick up, and that's going to be very problematic, regardless of whether Hurts runs or not. And so basically, those are my points. I think the outside receivers are at a big disadvantage because that's the teeth of the Bucs defense, and they're getting guys healthy. Any questions or comments? Well, uh, again, Fundamental analysis, corporate governance, right? When you pick uh, Shelly Sunderman, her dad ran the Colorado State Pension Fund, uh, billion dollar hedge fund, uh, 25 years ago, right? And I was dating Shelly. And to be able to marry, be in the family, you had to do, you know, fundamental analysis. 
and I would go with a dad, Ned Sunderman, and people can Google this, Ned Sunderman Capital Management Company, right? He's like a billionaire. He's the one that told me, don't take any financial advice unless the person owns an island in Fiji, right? So the, the one guy I know owns an island off of Venice, Florida. So he's like, Josh, come with me. We would go to a company and we would meet the owner, the CEO of the company and have lunch with them, meet them, right? Because in order to invest in that company, you had to meet the management in the measure of the man, right? Do you, are you gonna invest your life savings, your money and trust this man to run this company? So as we bet on this game, there's a huge coaching mismatch between the defensive coordinator of Philadelphia and Bruce Arians, who's won two Super Bowls as an offensive coordinator, one Super Bowl as a head coach, and a quarterback who's won eight Super Bowls, versus Jalen Hurts, who got pulled for Tua in the national championships so they could beat Smart. And then at Oklahoma, I'm not impressed by being able to throw C.D. Lamb wide open by 30 yards. And he was blown out when Oklahoma went to the playoffs. So Hurts hasn't won. And now you're saying, now, now on top of it, you're telling me that Hurts hasn't even won a game against a legitimate team this year. Now Hurts is going against Todd Bowles, Super Bowl winning Todd Bowles. Uh, Todd Bowles. Who's mentored by Andy Reid? <laughs> <laughs> it all Overly comes back. Back to Andy Reid. Uh, yeah. well, yeah, you guys, but I remember SEC games, right? Big SEC games. Quarterback goes to the line. He looks at the line. He looks at Steve Spurrier and says, timeout. So when Bowles throws at him, you know, some Blitzberg, Blitz uh, zone, Blitz stuff. Think of me when Hurts calls that timeout because he's confused of what he's looking at. So, so is the key to Philadelphia's side of the ball Dallas Goddard in this game, do you think? See, they've manipulated him well. They've, they, they actually have gotten him outside the hash marks with success. So they start him, obviously, in line, and they're getting him outside. And there has been success there. I just don't think there's enough explosiveness in the pass game overall. So I'm a little bit nervous because he's had good games. I don't identify, other than Hurts as a runner, any advantage that I think is significant. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Chad? He's on mute. Oh, you're on mute. You re muted. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I'm I'm on the Bucks all day here. I think I think, I mean, this is probably one of the best plays of Sunday. Is the Bucks Bucks minus eight? Um, that you know, I I I like what Jim said about uh, their team total over first half two thirteen and a half. Um, that really kind of jumps out at me. I'm gonna look at that hard because I know me and Scott had talked about their their game over twenty seven and a half. Um, you know, a better that 13 and a half first half might be a better play yeah. in the whole game, 27 and a half. So that's something that uh, 
I'm looking to add to my card off off of up here in gym. So yeah, and I think I think Tampa may score 14 points in the first quarter. To be honest with you. Yeah. Awesome. Now they, I mean, they've been a fast starting team. I mean, all all year. That's that's yes. been their mo. Um, yep. They're gonna come out. They're gonna try to jump on you early and then run Fournette late um, and take their foot off the pedal. So I, I like that. Um, I like that play a lot. I like that. Right. So our consensus pick is going to be your Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, minus the what is it now? Eight. 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 Man, that's a perfect spot to buy that point, make it seven to get it to a key number. Yeah. Jason loves out there. Our friend Jason has made a lot of money. And uh, Scott's saying, hey, we need a cut of that, a percentage of that. But no, it's how Scott out of it. Uh, and uh, over 45. 45 is way too many points. That second half, uh, the quit factor, right? We talked about. Chad's the one who introduced it. Business decision. And we're going to tackle somebody in the heat. We're down by 20 points. I need my contract for next year. And you're talking about, you want to talk about bad corporate governance? One of, the guy had a, got the game ball for special teams. And then on Monday, he comes in, you know, for uh, treatment. And they say, hey, get your playbook, you're cut. He goes to the doctor giving him a physical because he's cut. And they're like, oh, we got the wrong guy. They had, they, the office mixed up who they were actually cutting. All right. So they know, you know, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. The players on Philadelphia know that they do not care about them at all. So they need to preserve their bodies to get a contract next year. For us, it means betting on the over in, in Tampa Bay second half line. And what are the props for this game? So some props, Tom Brady under 1.5 rushing yards. There's going to be kneel downs at the end of this game. And here's the, here's the kicker on it. Arians Arians yelled at him because Brady started running recently and he goes, stop running because he knows Brady can't afford to get hurt. And I think Brady is smart enough to listen to him on this one because there's no run that's going to be important. So I think Tom Brady, he might get his one quarterback sneak at the goal line, but again, you throw in some kneel downs and those are negative yards. I love Grock over 55 and a half yards. We talk about the linebackers of the Eagles being a massive liability. They're very poor in tight end coverage and with no Godwin, no Antonio Brown, Grok is going to be needed. The last one, I only identified very few props on this game. Jalen Hurts over 49 and a half rush yards. The Bucks have given up rushing production to mobile quarterbacks. Hurts at some point when things are breaking down is going to have to take some matters into his own hands. It's going to be way too little too late, but I think 49 and a half is going to be an easy number for him to hit. No, no, big time. Big time. And, and keep in mind, Brady's MO in his whole career has been go to guys he trusts in key situations. And this playoffs is key situation. So Gronk over fifty five, no doubt about it. No doubt. Well, they have bad. They have bad linebackers. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's so, the other thing too. Terrible. So, giving up tight end production all over the place. Cameron Bray. I would not. You know, you got to look at the prop for uh, Cameron Bray and OJ Howard. Didn't Evan Ingram score a touchdown on them this year too? He may have. Yeah, it sounds right. That sounds right. The guy, he did. the guy hasn't scored a touchdown in his whole career, and he scored a touchdown against Philly, I think. So that, that tells you a lot right there, basically. So Great was interesting. I did think about it. I definitely thought about it. I like him in this situation. And 
I heard it through the grapevine. Fournette is going to start or play at least, or he can play. Let me put it this way. What I heard from a very informed person in Tampa Bay was that he can play. Uh, they, need, they need him. They need him in the in a big way Sunday for sure. So, all right, that was unanimous. Now we're gonna go to a consensus one. Uh, I like. Well, first of all, Kansas City was eight and nine against the spread. The over under seventeen games this year. The over under. Team total for Kansas City was 15. I kind of doubled up on that at the beginning of the season. Did you, yeah. did you forget Dallas or are you coming back? Uh, let's go back. Okay. Yeah, Dallas is the next we'll one. go back and we'll get Dallas. Okay. Dallas, San Francisco. You got to queue up. Uh, Debo is a running back. But what I got queued up, well, well, as, as Jim's previewing the game, we're going to show the last drive. But this is what it boiled down to, the discussion we had on, on Wednesday. Right? And, and Chad, because he actually is a football player, we watched he plays, made a very good point that I hadn't totally grasped. Now, I'm sure Jim has said this either to his kids or he said, he, I'm sure Jim at some point in his life has said this to some people some kids somewhere, to know and not to do is not to know. So 95% of people can't change. And the first thing is to contemplate change before you change. Hey, uh, Philadelphia, kudos to them, they can't change. So we know that Big Ben can't throw the ball more than five yards. Nope. Nope. So does that mean that Pittsburgh is hopeless. The answer, in my humble opinion, not so humble opinion, is no. I, I like Pittsburgh in this game. Uh, Kansas City is an overvalued team, right? We're talking about marketing inefficiencies. They're going to show Mahomes with his beautiful wife pregame. They're going to show his dad, his mom. And people are going to be watching this in the sports book and put their hard-earned money on the Kansas City Chiefs to cover this game. The line goes up. We go the other way. So what Chad astutely, right, mentioned for us that even though he can't throw it more than five yards, it's going to be the RPO game. Run, pass, option. They have a primo offensive line. Pittsburgh always does. Primo backups to keep Kansas City at bay, right? Spagnolo at bay, two-time winning Super Bowl coach who was the secondaries coach in the 2005 Super Bowl. So this is a, what Pittsburgh will do. This is on their winning drive, right? Against Baltimore. As we queue it up, uh, this guy's wide open, right? And, and Ben sweet spot four yards away from the line. Right, right, right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I think I think Tampa may score 14 points in the first quarter, to be honest. So it's taping, yeah, taping. I mean, they've been a 
See, see, this this is what Ben can do. He he can get him in the right play though, right? So this is where Ben's big um, advantage is is when he goes up to the line, right? He's reading where the middle linebacker is, where the safety is. He can get them in the right play every single play running this RPO. Now, do I think they can make the whole playoffs by doing this? No. But against Andy Reid, who doesn't like to blow people out, Andy Reid, who's basically lost every single game he's ever played in the playoffs. It's like, Josh, what are you talking about? They won the Super Bowl. Yeah, but Bill O'Brien, we just saw blow the game <laughs> against Georgia, right? Blew a 30-point lead or whatever crazy lead he had in the championship game. He should have beat him. Last year, Cleveland had him at fourth and 30. They stopped him there. Cleveland wins that playoff game. Andy Reid does not win playoff games. He waits for people to make mistakes. And I go back to the 2005 Super Bowl. He was waiting for a guy who would end up winning eight Super Bowls to make a mistake in that 2005 Super Bowl. He didn't when he had better players. He had an all-star team, and he still lost. Tomlin put himself out there. He said, listen, why are you guys talking to me about USC, right? Me as a financial guy. They're saying USC because you're getting $4 million. They're going to pay you three times as much as that and more, $13 million to be head coach at USC. They're not disrespecting you, Tomlin. But he doesn't have people around, so he just says stuff. He's like, oh, you're disrespecting me. Why don't you ask and read that question? He's won one Super Bowl. I've won one Super Bowl. Why don't you ask Sean Payton that question? I won one Super Bowl. He's won one Super Bowl. He got blown out last time by Andy Reid. Pride is on the line. So again, we go back to that. Super Bowl winning individuals do not give up. And I'll finish with this. We'll go, Jim. We'll give you, you know, preview this side of it. So uh, my last little caveat is that for a while, if I saw uh, Carol or something say something in the middle of the week, I knew they knew something about something. So when Big Ben said, we're going to get blown out by 20, who cares? He knows something about something. They're dialing up something for the for Kansas City Chiefs. That This is under all the way. This is under central. What What's the under right now on that? That is... Yeah, 36 Bennett now. Oh, 46. 46. Yeah, that's way too much. Lucky, it should be 36. It really should be under all day, every single day. And your Pittsburgh Steelers, what is it now? What is that line now? I expect it to be over 14. 12 like and a half. Well, still 12 and a half. Still 12 and a half. Still I already bet 13 right now. So already, I'm locked in at 13, under 46. What are your thoughts, Jim? So, first of all, Pittsburgh comes in very loose, in my opinion. They thought they were out of the playoffs. They, they played to win, but they did probably never thought they would get the scenarios right. on. So, they're right. loose. And, and that's a good thing. It's a good play because they got blown up by this can- Right. They got blown up by this Kansas team just a few weeks ago. So, they're loose. Now, Ben and Chad talked about this, his passing. As much as his arm, I think his legs are going, too, now. Because – over the first 10 games, he was about in half of the games. He was like seven and a half average depth of target. Listen to his last four games. He went from, oh my gosh, five, nine, four, five, 
2.7 and then a 5.5 last week. So this baseline has gotten ridiculously low. But here's the breakdown of the game. So with the Steelers, first of all, as I just mentioned, their passing game has become more and more compressed as that average depth of target continues to shrink to unbelievable lows. They probably aren't going to have a lot of consistent success moving the chains unless the Chiefs get a fair lead and they back off a bit. Now, the advantage they have, if Najee Harris's elbow is okay. Look, Kansas City was 11th in rush DVOA in the second half of the season, but this is still a matchup where they can get to them a bit. Now, don't expect the run blocking to be great. They're a bottom three run blocking line. But I still think at the end of the day, the Chiefs are going to come into this having whipped them soundly. I don't know how aggressively they come out. I think that that mentally they're not going to be sharp in this one. Now, the last thing was move to the Chiefs side of the ball. First of all, they have a massive advantage in the running game because their run blocking has, as we talked in the preseason, they brought in run blockers. They've been great. Edward Tiller is out. Darrell Williams has a toe injury. So I am concerned now Derek Gore could get involved, but I, but look, the chiefs probably weren't going to run the ball a lot anyway. Right. So, but that was the advantage Steelers were my number 32 in the second half rush DVOA. Now the wide receivers don't have great matchups here. Tyreek seems to be hundred percent. He practiced in full, but the Steelers are the defense that aren't going to give him the downfield pass. He's going to have to get the dink and dunk stuff. Kelsey average matchup for him. And he hasn't been dominating. Here's the advantage that the Steelers may be able to find. Top two pressure rate. Now, as good as it is, the Chiefs are a top seven pass blocking line, but I think the Steelers are going to dial up more blitzing than usual because they have nothing to lose here. And I think they're going to keep the Chiefs from scoring a lot of points. So I think that's what the whole game is going to be about. It's going to be lower scoring than we expect. I think if the Steelers keep it close, it's because the Chiefs aren't going to score a lot of points here. That's my breakdown of the game. So I 100% agree. What one caveat before we go to Scott? Okay. Before I forget, I got an ADD. I'm getting old. Uh, the air raid. How do you stop the air raid, right? Uh, you stop the air raid. It's been beaten many times, including the last Super Bowl with a zone blitz. Blitzburg, they invented its own blitz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Butler and all those people. So that's the way you stop the air raid, and that's the way you stop Mahomes. Go ahead, Scott. So Kelsey wasn't there last time. That was the COVID game, right? Correct. Yes. Could could a Byron Pringle or a Demarcus Robinson step up and be big in this game for them? Do you think? I don't think the big plays are going to be there. I think it's going to be the dink and dunk. So I think it's going to get spread out a lot. I think there's going to be running back screens. I like the fact that Jarek McKinnon was involved last week. He could be a weapon. I don't know that anybody gets enough targets. I think this is a 240-yard passing game at most for Mahomes, and it may not get that high. Okay. If one of those receivers made a big play, you're, you're, you'd have to be betting and hoping on that. But there's right. nothing in what I see in the matchup that one of them screams out saying, this guy's off the page. So so my thinking is, is maybe this is going to be like a 24 to 14 type of game. Something in that range. Most likely. For this game. Under. Under, my friend. Double down on that under. What do you think, Chad? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'm, I kind of – the under all day. Um, I think this one's going to be under all day. Uh, and then uh, – yeah, I'm going – I'm taking the, the Steelers with the points. You know, I think that lower-scoring game just favors that dog to cover. You know, looking at Mike Tomlin as a dog, 
You know, I think um, right. I think Ben Roethlisberger knows the Chiefs are taking him lightly. I think he's baiting them by saying, "Oh, they're gonna blow us out again." He's even letting right. those guys guard down right. even more. Right. You know, now that they I mean the Chiefs, you know, they're actually thinking, "Oh, they think we're gonna blow them out. They're not even gonna try." You know, like yeah, right. Come on, that's a professional. Uh, a Hall of Fame coach and a Super Bowl winning coach. <laughs> They're coming in there to whoop your ass. So I, I think I think it's just setting up for uh setting up for a Steelers cover here. Steelers plus 13 and, and under. So. A heck of a hard hitting, crazy football game. Now, as far as props, what I, I feel I like Hartman because it I, I really do. Because of the zone blitz aspect of it, and I really do think Mahomes is gonna panic. But the panic's going to be a hard slant to Hartman or Hartman coming across the field. Tyreek Hill, again, splitting that. Now we're going West Coast offense. A West Coast offense played with Tyreek Hill, kind of splitting two guys. One guy misses the tackle, and he gets the over on your prop, right? That, that's what I'm thinking. But it seems like consensus pick looks like to be Pittsburgh – I'll go, unanim- go unanimous. I'll switch to Pittsburgh on this. There we go. See, we're listening. They say men do not listen, and we don't. We have to ask. <laughs> we have to work on it. But depends what's on the other side of it. <laughs> listen to understand. Now we don't have a monopoly on the truth, right? Nope. We guys. So you're welcome to argue with us. You're welcome to dispute what we say. However, the only thing I ask is that you understand what we're saying first. Before you start arguing, yeah. listen to understand, not to argue. So this is a dynamic podcast where we change our minds all the time. You can pay your way out of the bet, right? Double down on the other side. So it's unanimous. Pittsburgh, whatever it balloons to, because people get drunk. People with a lot more money than we do, they don't have to work anymore. They're independently wealthy. And, you know, it happened to me one time. Here, here's 10 grand. I've been seeing you winning all day. Go ahead, take something for yourself and bet all the overs in the favorites for me. Can you do that and bring me back the tickets and I got your drinks? Oh, sure, no problem. Jim, do you have any problems? Go the other way. Put in their bets first and then you go with your bets of the the other way. Do you have any props in this game that you like? Yes, I do. Thank you for asking. So, yeah, this is one thing that don't have many because I don't the prop we play probabilities here. And so the you know the the Tyreek Hill, the Kelsey, those numbers worry me. They're numbers that could go either way. Too risky. I like two for sure. I like Ben Roethlisberger's longest completion under 33 and a half yards. Right. Oh yeah. That seems like an 80% probability. And then piggybacking with that. Deontay Johnson's longest reception under 20 and a half yards because the last three weeks we've seen the average depth of target shrink when he was getting those seven and a half depth of targets he was making 20 yard plays but when we're getting it four yards from the line we're not getting that and then one thing that's technically not a prop but the Steelers team total under 16 and a half yeah yeah I don't I don't know the reason the team total worries me is uh, Matt Canada. Matt Canada is the offensive coordinator for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. And he, at one point, was borderline uh, genius as an offensive coordinator. And I always talk about the same thing, probably with Raheem Morris. He's a genius guy. 
but it's relationships. These guys scream at everybody. They have emotional problems. He got in a fight with Big Ben. I could have predicted that. I wish I could bet. Oh, can I bet Matt Canada and Big Ben are going to get in a fight? Because two emotional guys with big egos are going to fight each other. So the reason he's not a head coach is not because he isn't smart enough. It's because he has uh, emotional issues. But he's a brilliant game plan guy. And against Bing Nolan, even though he's won two Super Bowls, he's a dangerous guy figuring out something about something going on it. Next thing you know, that's three touchdowns, 21 points. So that's what it worries me. I, I think Pittsburgh, because of brain power, might be able to put some points on the board against a Kansas City defense that's good in the beginning, but they're really not um, good late. Just remember, if you're going to go over and you're looking 21 or so points and you're looking at the under 46 on the game, you're looking at the Chiefs roughly by a field goal. Right. So right. Long, yeah, if, that's, if that's where you're lining up, that works. Big time. Remember, can't see the Chiefs 89 against the spread this year. Of course, agree 100% they won't cover this. Right. All right. So now we're going to go San Francisco 49ers against the most oversold stock ever, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. It's Dallas minus three I'm looking at. I got Straight a hook down. today. I got a hook today. Oh, well, nice. So, yep, three and a half. Three and a half. So you're with me with the 49ers, right? Sorry. Uh, you're, or, you're 49ers or Cowboys? Well, uh, we, I, I, I shouldn't have said it this early, but I got a hook three and a half, so I took it. But anyway, I'm sorry. Shouldn't have yeah, so it. you're with me. I have four. So I'm yes. San Francisco plus four. Taking it to that key number, we're going to buy it. Maybe. Let me see what it is now. Eight, three right eight. now. Three right now, yeah. So it's That's 15 and a half. 15 and a half. I expect this to go higher. And we're going to do a live stream, right, right before these games uh, to see where the line, line movement. We'll do some CNBC line movement where the stock market is today. Because I expect this to balloon, balloon over 52 under 52. So you're San Francisco 49ers. And uh, we'll queue up a play for Jim here. Caesars, Caesars is going that way, Josh, by the way. They're at 51 right now. So they're Dude, going Vegas go to Caesars. Yeah. Here's um, 49ers, right? Yes. Corporate governance. Quinn won a Super Bowl with Pete Carroll. Is looking for jobs, right? He might be the head coach of Chicago, whatever. His mind isn't on this game. Uh, Shanahan and John Lynch, right? Shanahan is an offensive coordinator, but the Super Bowl twice. His dad won the Super Bowl twice. Once, twice. John Lynch, who's really the defensive coordinator slash GM, designs the defense, sits in the box. Uh, the defensive coordinator, a rah rah guy, takes orders. Uh, against Quinn, who's looking for another job. So, basic formation. I like the way – this is what they do. It's kind of shady, but they do it. Shot blocking, right? These guys are your shot blockers <laughs> for the right. running game. Sometimes they go across, hit somebody wherever it's going. Uh, and then Garoppolo reads – Garoppolo has two plays in his head, a running play and a pass play. Most of the time he's going to go to the running play. Uh, and this is your four, two, five defense. 
I'm sure everybody's playing this day. This is Raheem Morris, Tampa 2, John Gruden. This is John Gruden against John Gruden. Both these guys were on the same staff for your 2006 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right. So, bam, see my guy going across? Boom. All right, doing some John Madden hits the hole. That's their basic offense. So, you were talking, Jim, about Debo Samuel. Yes. So I'm going to just break the 49ers down because I got a lot on both teams here. So let me just talk okay. that and we'll mention Debo in this. So overall, they're facing a Dallas defense. Their strength is their pass rush and their pass defense. But the thing is, they they defend the outside pass well. The 49ers do not attack traditionally with the pass. You mentioned Debo Samuel. They get him quickly into space. They get him in the middle of the field. And so Dallas their strength is going to be ignored here. Now, you showed that play, the misdirection. You are going to see a lot of misdirection in the 49ers running, and they're going to be very multiple here because right. they know Dallas plays with speed and over-pursuit, and this is suited very well. Now, middle linebacker Keanu Neal is out, and that's a big part of their run defense. Now, the 49ers, if they get that run game going, they can eat up some time on drives, but now – 49ers also will have an advantage. They lead the league 74 and a half percent of their snaps. They use pre-snap motion, which dictates the defense they're going to see. So again, the okay. play. Right, let's, let's go to that motion here. Cause this yep. is your guy, Debo Samuel. Yep. And the motion, right? Yep. So you're saying, okay, they're going to go motion to see where they're playing. Right. Yep. And Man, these guys no. aren't smart. Like uh Rondé Barber and, uh, and uh, Derek Brooks had told me a story where they, when the guy would go in motion, if they were playing zone, they would act like man, and Rondé would move. <laughs> when they were in zone, he would sit still. But these guys aren't that smart to do that. Maybe Eric Weddle is, was coming in, those tricks. So here's what he's saying. We got our guy, Demo Samuel, in motion. So they're not moving. What does that mean, Chad? We're not moving in motion, right? Oh. Zone. There we go, zone. Exactly. They're moving man man. So they're in zone. So they know they're in zone. So what happens, right? Let's watch this again. Uh, motion. Nobody moves. Zone. So now Garoppolo has impulse control issues. We say that because he got caught with a prostitute. Most guys, freaking prostitutes all the time. He got caught for impulse control. He didn't care. So they have to piecemeal things to him. So now they'll stop everything and tell them what play to run. And boom, Demo Samuel on the sweep. That's good blocking. Yep. Everybody's yep. blocking. First down. And this is the, the they're driving overtime. Go ahead, Jim. All right. So, yes. So that's the type of misdirection you'll see in Dallas's over pursuit is going to be a big problem for them here. Now, Elijah Mitchell's getting healthier by the week and Dallas has given up at least hundred rushing yards in 11 of their last 12 games, but they're going to use play action here quite a bit. And where George Kittle has a massive advantage, Dallas does well against a detached tight end, but Kittle is a massive part of their run blocking scheme. And he'll be in line. Dallas is not equipped to handle him. And we mentioned Josh, you mentioned Debo Samuel earlier and Kittle Dallas is last in the league with yards after the catch at 6.3 per catch. And Kittle and Samuel are the masters of yardage after the catch. That's big. And the last thing I want to say on the, on the 49ers side, Jimmy G, 
his biggest struggles are when he has to throw to the outsides of the field. This offense, and with Dallas' strengths being the outside, this offense will be deployed. This is going to be a big middle-of-the-field game. Kittle, Debo, and the passing attack. Okay, and, and to your point, we're going to watch a play here. Uh, did you say, all right, Jim said, it'll be in a couple plays here. Jim said that uh, Garoppolo can't throw the outside. I just saw him throw outside that play. And it's almost like Stafford throwing the deep ball. Because as, as you see, all right, he, on this play, struggled, right? So he has some sort of injury, too, because he struggled to get it out there, and that was the only play he was going to. So, and that's not really even that long. He struggled. He winded back and threw it, right? It wasn't his normal Marino get to the ear and throw it situation, Right. Here is kind of what Jim's talking about as far as misdirection, right? Uh, and kind of fooling the defense, right? Eighty uh, percent of players end up broke. These guys aren't too smart. So motion again, right? So motion again says to me, if this was Michigan playing, right? He had destroyed by Georgia. Power right. So I'm power right right now. So defense is thinking power right. Four, two, five, right? Oh, power right. Oh, uh, no, we're going to, boom, we're going to go actually to the left on this play. So it's not power right. It's going to be an inside, inside zone uh, run play. And now the Dallas side, Jim. Yeah, so the Dallas side, look, we know Dallas has a very good offensive line. This isn't quite the dominant group they've been. They're good, but they're not great. And San Francisco has been flat out nasty against the run. That front seven and the front four especially have been bringing it each week. This is not a good matchup for the Dallas running game. Now, the big advantage Dallas has, San Francisco's decimated secondary. They're good in the middle of the field. They give up the downfield pass. This is an Amari Cooper game. If they utilize him, this is tailor made for him to be successful. Now, Dallas has been a little too horizontal in their passing game lately, especially with C.D. Lamb. But if they game plan this one out properly, it's going to be Cooper. Now, 49. I thought that was interesting, right? Because they started going to Cooper. Here we see Cooper. Cooper's playing what? The slot? Now he'll be on the outside. Uh, Cedric Wilson will be in the slot primarily now. Because it's a bigger body. Yes, yeah, it's your Mari Cooper. Go ahead. So the 49ers on short passes, they're number four in the league DVOA. But deep passes, at least 16 yards, they're dead last. It's their Achilles heel. And then the 49ers, on the other hand, they have a crazy positive DVOA when targeting Amari Cooper deep. So this is literally strength against strength. Now, I do think Dallas could use a little more 12 personnel than usual. Blake Jarwin got a week under him and having him in the field, it allows Dallas to do more things offensively. That would be useful. But again, it's going to be the downfield passing attack. Now, Dak's been hit or miss. Ultimately. If he gets hot, the 49ers at the downfield defense um, lack, Dallas could win this game if Dak has a big game. But if they're not putting points up on the board right and left, they are in a lot of trouble in this contest. They're in a lot of trouble. And because 
corporate governance, the way John Lynch thinks, believe me, if I could bet this, I would. On the phone with him this week on the Zoom is Monty Kiffin. Monty Kiffin coached at Dallas. He was in training camp going against Dak in that offense. Uh, Kellen Moore, uh, McCarthy, they're going to come up with adjustments. But in the first couple of series, Dak is going to go timeout. I haven't seen this defense before. It's true. And what concerns me for Dallas is Quinn. All right. So we'll go Scott and Chad. What do you guys think? I just think Debo's going to, Debo and Kittle, especially Kittle, where when he catches the ball, he's like a bulldozer running down the field. I think he could, him and Debo could actually have close to 150 yards each. I think this is a big, I think San Francisco's going to win this game outright. I just think there's too many athletic pieces oh. in the San Francisco offense. Money line. And I think if Dak. Outfit of the week. Money line pick of the week, maybe. If Dak struggles in any way in this game, Dallas is, like you said, is in, in huge trouble in this game. He, uh, he can't struggle early in this game. He's got to be good Dak, not struggle Dak. And so money line. Yeah, I'm going San Francisco money line. I think they're going to win this game. Yeah, uh, plus 135. That means if you bet hundred bucks, you get one hundred forty. I bet a thousand and get a thousand four hundred back. So what I could do is put a thousand dollars on San Francisco plus four, thousand dollars on San Francisco money line, and a thousand dollars under fifty two. This is this is the yes. correct yeah, I, I think this is a the consensus pick. <laughs> I don't is, know if it's unanimous. What do you think, Chad? Yeah, no, the money money line pick of the week. I mean, this is this is my <laughs> favorite dog to win. If yeah. I had to pick one dog this week to win outright, this this is it. 100 percent my pick. And Jim, and Jim came out and announced it filled out. He was like, Oh yeah, I got the hook. I got the, got the hook. <laughs> Dallas didn't want to see this, right? Dallas did not want to see San Francisco if I'm if I'm thinking right. Well, and if this upset happens, Green Bay ain't gonna want to see him because the one thing Green Bay can't stop is the run. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, are there any other props besides the Dak props? Yes. That yes. Like? So I do think there's going to be a lot of scoring. So I'm against the grain here with the over. So I think Dak does go over 282 yards. They're not going to be able to run. It's already done the air. Elijah Mitchell's going to get his 76 and a half yards. He's going to go over 100 here. Dallas gives up 111 of the last 12 games. Brandon Ayuk under 50 and a half yards. Dallas is not the where Ayuk goes is not where Dallas can be attacked. Kittle is over 49 and a half yards. I like Kittle's longest reception over 20 and a half yards. Amari Cooper over 59 and a half yards. I'm sorry, I'm rattling these off. And Jawan Jennings under 29 and a half yards. The only reason I didn't say Debo is because I don't know how much he's going to use as a rusher and how much as a receiver because he can get it done either way. Therefore, I'm more concerned about the prop. Now, I guess if you had a combined one, you could go that route. But in terms of just receiving or the rushing, it could be either. Are you going to see Diggs most of the game, I'm assuming? So Diggs is an outside deep – impossible because the way they deploy Debo, if yeah. they commit digs to him, they'll motion him in the backfield. Now he's a running back. What right. the hell does digs do? Right. right. And right. they get the ball in his hands at or behind the line of scrimmage and digs as great as he's been. 
He gets killed yardage after the catch. It's a horrible matchup. Diggs makes his hay on the deep passes that he becomes a receiver and cuts the ball off. Well, Debo's going to see his passes three yards from the line. There's no interception to be had there. I saw a stat that said that Trayvon Diggs has given up the most yards of any cornerback in the NFL this year. Over a thousand (laughs) yards have been caught on him this year. Even though he leads the league in picks, he's given up the most yards. So, um, but can can you go through the the, rattle those off again? Yeah, the Elijah Mitchell rushing over. Over. I had Dak Prescott over 282. I expected a little over 300 here. Yeah, passing. And then I liked Brandon Ayuk under the 50 and a half yards. He's just not a stylistic fit to this contest. Kittle both over the yardage and then his longest reception over 20 and a half yards. I think he has a couple long plays here. The last two, we had Amari Cooper over 59 and a half yards. The, the tendency to beat them deep is too easy. He could, get, he could do that in one or two catches here. And then yeah. Jawan Jennings under 29 and a half yards. Again, the outside receivers, I don't think they're even going to test Dallas on the outside too much. And that's where Dallas' strength is. So I think Jennings goes back to earth here. They're not going to need him here. It's a good blocker, so, though. So last thing on this game, you think Paul is, Paul is more effective than Zeke is in this game? I think they abandon the run. You do? I think they're going to abandon the run some way. I think they're going. To, I think it's going to be a score fest. They're, they'll all right. They'll try to run some. They're not going to have success. They just do not match up against the front seven of the 49ers. Again, I like the Dallas line. It's not. They're not what they were. And I don't think they're going to be able to create the space. Zeke needs certain space at this point. Right. If Pollard yeah. gets it done, it could be as a receiver. But the 49ers have been excellent against receiving backs, so that puts some pause to me as well. So the week one game plan for Dallas is in effect in this game, you think? Were they I would just- agree with that. Right. I would agree with that. Okay. okay. All right. All right. So we got San Francisco 49ers plus the four. The unanimous pick, we, uh, Jim's going to be Ruth Gator Ginsburg on this one, be at the center <laughs> and pick the uh, under. Am I right with that, guys? Correct. Yeah, I'm right, I'm right with that. So Yeah, I'm, I'm liking the under, yeah. I think yeah. that if I, I just think if San Francisco has success running the ball, yeah. Um, yeah. it's going to be close. I'm not saying, I mean, it could come right under like at 49. Um, well, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I didn't know what I was watching 30 years ago when I went to the Buccaneers training camp. Tony Dungy's the head coach. Defensive coordinator is Monty Kiffin. So I know pretty much the way Monty Kiffin is going to approach this. John Lynch talking this week about what the game plan is going to be. And the, the real defensive coordinator, the, the defensive coordinator taking notes listening to this conference call. Like Schneider listening to the conference call between Carroll and uh, Mary Allen. <laughs> uh, they want to keep things under control, under running game, under. Garoppolo is not allowed to snap the ball with more than one second left in the ball. All right. You know- you guys are right. That's where the key to that under is because they literally could take 10 minutes off the clock on a, with a drive with their running game. So that is the case for the under for sure. All right. Very, I'm so excited for this. And remember the strategy we're talking about is strategy to put money in your pocket and uh, I'll re-listen and, and I'll get those up there and we'll do line change live stream podcast 30 minutes before. Sorry. So the last game we're going to tackle. Monday night, man. Three straight days of football. Monday night. It's going to be 
the LA Rams with a $7 billion new stadium, commercial real estate. Uh, notice the refs calls on Monday night, only game against the air raid. So, Josh, what do you know about the air raid? Well, I like Finch, the $4 million coach of Arizona. He never played football. I never played football either. But the air raid, if you listen to the Faith and Family Football, Ben Rasklaff, his offensive coordinator, Houston Baptist, is Kitty. Kitty, who's, his, who's the offensive coordinator currently for Power 5, Texas Tech, his best friend is Clingsbury, the head coach of your Arizona Cardinals. And he explained to me the air raid. So we're going to look. I go to every single Rams. And I know uh, Scott snapped at me last week. He's like, man, you sent me this training camp video 10 times. I got it. <laughs> Uh, I go to the Rams training camp, and this is actually, it's, yeah, this is going to be air raid, right? So we're going to explain the air raid. So what the air raid is, and uh, Mahomes and Kelsey do a good job with this, right? What the air raid is, is right here. Actually, he's too intense here. He needs to relax. But what he's doing is reading the defense, and you notice, let me go back here, right? Cooper Cup is a smart guy. Uh Stafford's waiting to get hit. I could already see it. <laughs> <laughs> see what uh, court, the running back Acres doesn't know what's going on. That's okay. He's from Florida State. Actually, Cam Acres, we love him. He follows me on Instagram. He's family's William Floyd, who I went to high school with, bar none, from the Super Bowl with Steve Jim. So that's Cam Acres' lineage. He's looking in. He's reading. They're all supposed to read. He already know what the play is. He's gone. He knows what the play is. He's gone. He's still reading the play, reading the play. They all read the play independently and then look for the ball. That's why Kelsey says, oh, you know, I'm in tune with Mahomes. So this is the air raid. One back, boom, four receivers. Yeah. Right. I, don't, I don't know. So he, he's looking for the ball. Let me turn the sound off. So let's look at our guy on the outside. Higby, right? Tight end. Zach Hurts needs to have a big game. Same formation, same offense. The air raid is like Chad's offense in college. They only have four plays. Higby, red, zone, right? So zone. When it's man, you go vertical route, right? When it's zone, you go across. So Higby reads zone. He gets to the pause. What do he do? He goes across, finds the seam, boom. They read it. That's how they can do it so fast. Oh, they did this fast because that's the read, right? Higby. Now, I'll cue up Jim. Jim likes to talk about – he's been talking about this since training camp. He told me about it. The Rams and your three wide receiver set, right? So here's, here's, here's one, two, three wide receiver set. What are your thoughts, Jim? Rams. So, yes. So what we can have concerns with the Rams is this. They have become very run-based over the last four or five weeks. And there are a lot of reasons why. Matthew Stafford's had his struggles. I get it. But if they continue to be run-heavy, this is going to stick their offense in neutral. They're not going to be able to score the types of points they need to put opponents away. And it hurt them against the 49ers last week. And – they just had games against the Ravens and the 49ers, 
two teams who are pass funnel defenses and right. yet they didn't throw on them. And therefore they had two games. They could have blown up on the scoreboard and they didn't, they barely snuck out the win at Baltimore. They lost to the 49ers. Look, there's another, this is an identical matchup this week against the Cardinals. The Cardinals over the last six weeks, number 32 against the pass. They've been horrible down the stretch. So unless Sean McVay comes in and says, look, we have to take a chance and throw here. If Stafford has a bad game, he has a bad game. The running game is not going to get much traction against the Cardinals, and they're going to need to throw here. And with Matthew Cardinals Stafford. The best defensive line in the NFL. Yes, correct. Correct. Excellent call. Now, Stafford, look, he's been a streaky quarterback his whole career. If he goes on a four-game bender, ain't nobody beating him. If he right. plays the way he did, they're out in one game. Now, the Cardinals side, you talk about the air raid. Well, they want to run it there, but they really have gone – they're horizontal in their routes, and they're not very creative. And when they lost DeAndre Hopkins, the problem is the defense doesn't have any one guy to worry about. So defenses can sit on what they do, and they're very predictable in their route combinations and play calling. And You don't have four plays, remember. Yeah, exactly. Now, the Rams, they lost their strong safety, Jordan Fuller. He was their defensive signal caller. He went on IR. He got injured last week. Huge loss for them. James Conner. He beat he, his ribs got beat up pretty badly. That's like he hasn't practiced all week. That if he's not in, that physical aspect of their game isn't going to be there that they need. Now, I think their chance, Kyler is going to have to play Superman. He is going to have to run because right. the compressed, yes, the compressed nature of their offense that allows the Rams three superstars to play. They're not going to be able to challenge the weaker parts of that. And so basically, that's my breakdown on the outside receivers. I don't think that. A.J. Green and Antoine Wesley are going to be able to exploit the outside corners. I just don't think either of them can consistently do that. That's my breakdown. Any questions or comments for me? Well, first thing I want to interject with Scott and chat. Jason's amazing, man. He's, he's, he's following all the props. And I'll be able to put him on Twitter. Uh, but we're making Jason a lot of money. So That's my cousin, man. That's my cousin. <laughs> Hey Jason, it a lot of money, man. <laughs> Contributing. Make sure he pays Jim when you guys go out to dinner. <laughs> he's bring, their family's coming by tomorrow. They're bringing a fruitcake from the, the Texas bakery, Collins Street Bakery. Good stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. Right on. No, no. So, well, we're going here. I guess uh, you're you're breaking a tie, collaborating with Chad because I'm going um, Rams money line. Uh, and I'm gonna. I'm the only one that went under. I'm gonna go under because I believe this line is gonna balloon. It's gonna be the only game on. People are gonna get to the casino maybe after work, or maybe they've been drinking all weekend, and they're gonna bet this over maybe up to fifty-four points. Let me see what it is now. Uh, Forty-nine now, and a half. That's what I'm saying. It's actually going the other way. Huh? Let's see. So if you. Bet the under, you got to bet it now. But I still think, like, wins bet over there with uh, Scott over there in Boston. <laughs> it's at 50 right now. Remember, that's that's a $2 billion handle up there. And that's not even Boston. That's New Jersey. So now Boston's in. Uh, the handle's going to be huge. And people, especially the only game on, people are going to bet the over on this. So I, I like the under. I got it at 50 and a half. So I'm waiting for it. For a next bet to be under 52, but that's a dispute we're going on. Uh, Scott, right? You're saying it's going to go over. 
Or yeah, I think it's going to go over. Um, I think just the recent history with these two teams suggests that they're going to score a lot of points. Um, you know, I'm I'm very worried about Stafford right now. As we sit here right now, I don't think he's playing any brand of good quarterback at all. He make he throws that one interception in the game that really cost them. He, um, you know, he's just not playing well right now. And on the other side, it's Connor. If Connor doesn't play, I agree with Jim. The physical aspect of their their team is basically null and void. I think they're gonna have to, Kyle's gonna have to get those three first downs with his feet. He's going to have to keep them in the game. He's going to have to find Zach Ertz a lot, I think, to to, um, to keep them in the game because I, I don't think their outside receivers can be much of a factor in this game. So um, so having said that, I, I'm still on the Rams in this to uh, to win the game, I think. So that's, yeah, that's my and, point. And the reason I think the Rams are going to win the game is because they're going to get the whistle. This uh, And you said, Josh, what are you talking about? Um, I'll let this guy Griffiths from the Griffiths family, my, my wife's uh, from the Griffiths down in the south, explain this. And then we'll go to Chad. Chad, we have a spreadsheet. Chad said, wait for Friday to see what Jim thinks. But let, I'm going to share this video and he'll see what I'm talking about, Dan Quinn, and what I'm talking about, how much money involved influencing uh, the, the, the referees, which he makes $120,000 as a High school administrator in Oklahoma. Here's uh, Griffiths on the Paul Feinbaum show. Let me know if you guys can hear this. Negotiating for extension right now. I mean, it's probably been a 20 or $25 million win for Curtis Hart and this guaranteed contract, like I think he will. Probably around $100 million, if not a little bit over his 10 years. So that, that win meant a lot to Curtis Hart's bank account and generations of smart family beyond. Do you guys hear that? Yeah. And I'll repeat it again. I mean, it's probably been a $20 or $25 million win for Kirby Smart. $25, $25 million for Kirby Smart College. Probably around $100 million. $100 million. You should have it in different counts, not just the bank. The football program is concerned. Couldn't have come at a better time. All right. So we don't care about the football program. What we care about is what? The money, which is what this podcast is about to go for circle, right? Because we are a podcast with a narrative. With let's, a lesson. Let's, ask, let's ask Jim this. Jim, do you think the NFL putting this Rams game on Monday night had ulterior motives in it? It's going to have a big grade. It's going to showcase SoFi Stadium. That's, might that's be the Super Bowl it's going to be played. I mean, that would be it. I don't – I wonder if the networks had any input to that. I, I wonder I, if the networks were asked, like, prioritize game that I, you want. I'll give you some insight on this, and I have to work on this because Apple approached me, and we can get discounts with Apple. Uh, and that's the thing about in the corporate world in life, nobody respects you if you're a snitch or if you kiss ass. People do not respect you. And with the way ESPN has capitulated to the NFL, and now ESPN might go under because Apple might. Apple's worth $3 trillion with a T. That's why I need to follow up, put a link on the website because they, they approached me about all that. 
uh, who am I? But three trillion dollars, so they can pay for the rights for the NFL for the next hundred years, and they're comp competing against Amazon. Amazon already has its foot in the door. What happens to ESPN? They fold, right? They got that three billion dollar SEC contract. It's pretty smart. I think they'll probably pay it back to Paramount Plus. So that's your answer with the networks. I think it's more highest and best use of commercial real estate. It's having them play on Monday night at SoFi Stadium. So Chad, who do you like in this game? Yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm I'm right now. I'm I'm gonna go Rams minus the four. I think they're gonna get the calls here. I think the league wants the Rams uh, to go on. So yeah, I'm going. Rams minus the four, and then yeah, I think it's gonna go under the five. Under, under. Okay, so that was both, both the under and the both over. Offenses gonna go under. Yeah, both offenses I think are just depleted. Third matchup of the year, I think, uh, kind of turns to the yeah. under the familiarity. You know, no DeAndre and Hopkins. They run the same offense. Um, you know, no DeAndre Hopkins, a banged up James Conner. Um, you know, Stafford just not looking right. Um, them being so, so heavy on the AJ Green does another place. Yeah, they've been, they've been going so heavy on the run game lately with the Rams have. So, yeah, I'm I'm thinking like a you know a, a 24 to to 14, 24 to 17 yeah. um, Rams win type game here. So, what Jim? What in your mind is the secret to their eight and one on the road? Do you, do you think they were a different team early in the season. They had they they had a lot of early road games, and DeAndre Hopkins was part of the offense. That that and Connor was healthy. Right. They that offense was very tough to stop because they were able to spread teams out, even though they ran more 11 than 10 personnel. When Connor was running against light, and I predicted this in the preseason, we talked all about this. When Connor yes. would run against light fronts, battering Ram, and then right. Edmonds gets hurt, and they're using him as a receiver as well. So I think it was then once happened, once DeAndre went down and Connor started getting banged up. Now, all of a sudden, that offense is in trouble because they exactly. two of their best weapons were down. Yeah. Yeah. Got a few props. You want those? Sure. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Christian Kirk under 52 and a half. The heel play the slot. Jalen Ramsey primarily plays a slot unless there's an outside receiver that dictates him to go there, which there's not here. He's not traveling out for AJ Green or Anton Wesley. So he'll stay in the slot to disrupt the middle. Kirk's a big under. Cooper Cup initially was at a 98 and a half yard. He's up to 104 and a half. I still like the over. Um, the first time he played, Arizona went under that, but they are going to lean heavily on him in this game. He is, is going to be the back, not the seven targets you saw the last two weeks. We're back to the double digit targets. The last one, Kyler Murray over 39 and a half rush yards. He is going to have to play Superman for them to have any chance. And that's, he's going to have to run in this one. Can, Josh, can I ask one Hey, as many questions as you like, man. I know the, the Van Jeff the Van Jefferson injury. He got he's limited today. What what would that do to the the Rams offense, if anything? I was under. I'm under the mindset that if they're going to go pass heavy, they're going to have to lean on Beckham and Cup. They're going to have to unleash Beckham if they want to make a run. If they're going to keep running, Jefferson's the odd man out. So he's hit or miss because if he catches the one long pass he gets, he cashes. But right. it's real sketchy because he's not great downfield. So you're really banking on that one. He doesn't get enough targets 
for him. Again, we're talking about probabilities and the low target volumes lowers his probability. He's a, he's a volatile play, Scott. Did you look at Beckham's prop closely before? You know what? I just decided to go. I felt Kurt was safer. Again, it's the probability route. I, I think they need to use Beckham more, but they haven't. So to take a yardage prop on him, probability has been on the downside for him. Yeah. So I can't with certainty say McVay is going to do what's going to get them through the next couple of games. Yeah. I, I love that Christian Kirk under, um, I've worked out with Christian Kirk a couple of times, you know, he's not the biggest stature of guys. I think he could have some problems with the Jalen Ramsey's quickness and size. Um, I, I like that one a lot. Thanks, man. You know, he, he's, we're watching Chad's playing. <laughs> he knows the guys. He can measure them up quick. Uh, I, man, this is the greatest podcast of all time. We've got insight. We're able to collaborate. Much to the chagrin of the communist China, Chinese Communist Party. Final words before we get into tomorrow. I'll make sure that I'll uh, post the podcast. Uh, Spotify people will have it tonight. Everybody else early in the morning West Coast time. We'll be on Twitter. We'll put the props before the games. We'll have a live stream half hour before the game. Yeah. I'm sure Jim will join us on some. Some he might not be able to. I should be able to. Should be oh, able nice, to. nice. So this is shaping up to be the epic of the most epic season as far as ourselves and you making money. We'll go around the horn, as they say. Final words, guys. What do you guys think? So I, you know, get to the, get to the window, you know, make the bets, win the money. Tip the cashier, as Josh has said many times, um, and just uh, have fun watching football. You know, don't sweat out your bets. Just have fun watching football, and uh, hopefully they all come through for you. Ted, so. go ahead. Uh, man, I'm uh, I'm excited. I got a full paper here of all these prop bets to kind of <laughs> uh, navigate, and I'm already kind of looking at my favorite ones, you know, because I probably won't play them all. You know, I'm going to kind of take all – Jim's suggestions here, and I'm going to kind of take my own brain and pick my favorites off it. Um, I'll say in the Cincinnati game early, I think my favorite is the Jamar Chase under. Um, I think that he's just – like that a lot. He's going to take, um, you know, the interest. They're going to – you know, the, that zone's going to be deep. They're going to have a guy over the top that, you know, that might even play some, you know, have a guy maybe, maybe pressing up on him and, you know – doing some special things just because of, of what he's he's been for that offense and the playmaker he's been. I, you know, I just think any smart, um, you know, defensive coordinator is going to take away that guy and make the next guys, you know, make make the T Higgins and, uh, you know, those next guys, the Tyler Boyds beat me this game. And I'm not going to let Jamar Chase just go running wild down the field like we've seen uh, throughout this season. So I, I like that one a lot. Um, and yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for tomorrow's, uh, Got some Pac-12 basketball. I got to get into when we get off here. Start getting on this basketball. <laughs> Do you have any 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 Pac-12 bets? You, you're feeling, or you know uh, that I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't had a chance to really. I, I haven't done enough research to put anything out there yet. All right, so we'll put a little bit of those out there, and we're all about the research, right? This is a series seven test, seventy percent failure rate, thirty percent, and I passed it, right? But. And I always have it here because I'm middle class. So uh, if I get raided, I want to win the argument during the raid. <laughs> that way to the raid, I'm going to bring out the book. So I always have the book here, right? 
So as I'm studying for the, that test, I came upon this, right? And it's very important to what Scott said. It's a pizza box. It's a mental health thing, right? Uh, I highlighted it. And it says here, arbitrage. People get the wrong definition of that. So what arbitrage is, the simultaneous purchase and sale of the same or related securities to take advantage of a market inefficiencies. So that's what we're doing. We're betting everything equal amounts, 10 or more, using 140 years. 100, I don't, how many hours is that? Who knows? 140 years of watching football, 10 or more, 80% probability, what? To make money, because 52.5% to break even. On top of that, Chad is working out with these guys, from Jamar Chase to Joe Burrow to Josh Allen. I think he played with everybody in the playoffs. Maybe they were in the playoffs because Chad worked that with them. That's what it seems like. <laughs> so, right? You know, before, uh, and before Jim goes, go I'll, give, I'll give you a little peek behind the curtain. Jim's a, a great fantasy person. And no, he's more than that. He's a, he's a first. He is a first ballot Hall of Fame fantasy guy. No doubt. And, no doubt. and a national championship. The man's won a national yep. fantasy yep. championship. Yeah. So the, the first guy I go to is him. I mean, we tweet a lot. We tweet a lot. So and he's great. His his prop his his success rate on giving me advice is in the ninety percent range. So. You know, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your advice. I had a lot of success this year and, and mostly because of what, what the advice you gave me. So not only is he great at player props, but he's also a, a, a insanely great fantasy uh, person. So, you know, Chad hit the nail on the head, though. Chad said, I'll listen to the prop advice and then I'll go and do my work and see which ones I like best. And that's what we're all about. You're making your decisions. Yeah. Yes, we're giving you some ideas. We're giving you some insights, some things to think about. But Chad, compartmentalize it perfectly. That's what we want everybody to do. Make your own decision. Yep. And that's yep. how you And one more thing. There are 13 playoff games. After this week, six of them will be gone. Enjoy these games because they dry up fast. Yeah. Yep. No, no. And, and if you lose one, you're laughing. You're not gripping in anger, upset, all this. Uh, instead of giving a person a fish, we teach them how to fish. But at the same time, right, if you bet each and every one individually, we feel that it's a high likelihood you will make a profit, right? We can do this because this is the richest country in the world. And you did not have to pay action sports. You did not have to pay anybody any money for any more, inf any more information. We've given you so much information on this podcast and every podcast more than you should because you have a family of business. Really, what are you doing with more information than what we're giving you? But we give it because guys that have our level of success, guys who have, you know, make much more than the average American that we have on here. Uh, we're not the only ones who have these percentages or make this money. Some people even make more money, but we are the only ones willing to share, right? And it's because it's not philanthropy, it's not religion, it's a business. 
concept and practice we follow here. Every time you give, you get 10 times back. Right? I said about the cashier who put in a half a point after I gave her a tip. And it was a woman and we won. Right? So Winston Churchill said, we make a living from our labor, but we make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Podcast Network. That's why this one goes cost $800. And that-